Moses. What's up, Bunkley? What up, what up? Another day of paradise, man. Another day oh. in paradise. Oh yeah. The the killer himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited you're you're fighting soon. Yeah. Hey podcast start already or no? Oh yeah, it's on. We're we're live. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you haven't fought for a while, huh? I'm excited. I don't know. I don't have an opponent yet. Um, it's a guy that I know from, you know, because you got us the fights in Vegas with Real MMA. And that's where I met that guy, uh, uh, Kane. I don't know if you remember Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, then he went over to WFC. And then he was like, and, you know, he's a Marine as well. And he was like, hey, brother, you got to come and fight a fight over here, too. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can, I can do that. And so then that's when I met the guy, Matt. And he was just, he wanted me to fight their champion there for a little while. But man, the, the, my schedule, because of what I do with the Air Force, um, and I'm traveling and stuff. And for, it, it was just, it was just getting rough. And I wasn't, I didn't get promoted, right? Like I wouldn't say it's a promotion, but I did get more responsibilities. And, and that caused me to really step away from training a lot more. And then I was like, man, I can't, you want me to go fight your champion who's like six and seven zero oh, and who, who finishes like everybody except for one decision. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do that until I can get, until I can train properly. So we'll see where it yeah. goes. Yeah. And that was with the WFC? WFC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you went to Vegas, you went and trained with King at one fight team. I did go train a couple of times because I, I travel there yearly for work. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I was home last time I went and trained at one. Yeah, the best thing about their gym, I can tell you this right now, the best thing about their gym is the saying they have on top of the wall when you're exiting. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, don't tell me. Um, yeah, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot what it says. It says, uh, it's either, it either says you or it says we, but it says we just got better. Oh, like, yep, yep. It's a, yeah, I think it says we just got better. Yeah, right above the, right above the door when you're walking out, man. I think that's it. Coolest little thing there. I don't know why that stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. When I went, everyone was super cool. Um, I got some good jiu-jitsu rolling in. And, it, you know, the MMA world is just so small uh, because the guy – because you just randomly – you're training with it. So <clears> I'm <throat> talking with the guy, and he's yeah, man. He's like uh, – he sees my he sees my rash guard. He's like, Brazilian top team. He's like, he's like one of my biggest foes is out of BT is out of Brazilian top team in Texas and uh, come to find out it's one of the guys up in BTT Austin this guy lives in Vegas but they both compete like all over the country so they always fight each other and it's just <laughs> two guys two guys from Vegas or one guy from Vegas one guy from Austin and they they have just kind of rivalry I mean obviously they don't hate each other but they have this rivalry because they compete against each other so much and he's like yeah man uh, I think that was the weekend of pans or no, I, it might have been Worlds this year. But it was a big tournament. And he's like, yeah, man, I got this guy first round. Like, we're going at it. It's like my fifth time fighting him. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's a small world. And that's what makes it great, man. Honestly, you know what I mean? That's what I love about it is the small world. And, and, and especially in today's time, all that. I don't even want to say the word. But, you know, people acting funny with other people and then claiming different things. You know, in our gym. Man, we don't even see any color. We don't see anything, man. We're there to we're there to train and get better. And 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 if you find someone that you click with, you just made a good friend. You know, I made a couple of uh, 
of uh, life friends. I would call them. I'm, I'm going to assume they're going to be life friends as of right now. A couple of really good friends out of the gym. So and I, I think it's super cool, man. So um, absolutely, Mo- Moses, give a give a little intro to yourself. Man, like, uh, well, I'm I'm Moses. I'm a six foot, two hundred fifty fifty pound machine of twisted steel and sex appeal, and you know, get things <laughs> done. <laughs> no, man, I, no, I'm just a homegrown guy, man. Came from nothing to something, and I won't even say that I'm something great, but I'm definitely something, you know, coming from where I come from, and that's the gutter of the gutter, you know what I mean? Just there was there was a lot of uh, uh, drug use in my family growing up and so you want to talk about poor uh, it's a different level of poor you know some people say oh i was so poor we ate meat and potatoes every night and i'd be like what <laughs> you ate every night <laughs> you know? yeah so i come from a, it's a really humbling uh, experience and beginning because when you come from that and then you make it to where i'm at now which is again in, in, in the grand scheme of things i'm a nobody but in my little in my little book here, I'm on the chapters where I'm making it. You know, I'm doing. I I don't like you saying that you're a nobody because everyone that you're <laughs> around, uh, I know you bettered me a lot. So, <laughs> hey, that's just because I'm heavy, man. It's just fat, it's, we call that fat boy swag. <laughs> fat boy swag. Yeah. Oh man, and yeah. So, how did you get out of that? How did you get out of that growing up? Man, that, man, that's a cool question. You know, let me tell you why it's a cool question, because I really believe in uh, uh, making choices. Uh, I'm really big on making choices and being a product of your choice instead of being a product of your environment, you know. And I'm very passionate about it. I don't even want to get into it because we'll spend the whole damn two, three hours talking about it. But I'm very passionate about it because I can tell you, man, my family's just, we're just different. Now, no one's bad in my family and I love them all, right? And, and everyone's doing better now. But back in the early 90s, when I'm in first and second grade, things were just different, right? And so um, being bullied, I wouldn't, I mean, I hate this word. I hate this word in today's time, but I wouldn't say it's racism. I just think it's kids being kids. But I will say I lived in, I lived in the east side of San Antonio, uh, which is mainly black people, right? And so, and I was one of two Hispanic families there. And I will say, that we got jumped and beat up and, and, and uh, picked on. And even if it wasn't like a, a full-on beating, like you're just beating you up, it was just like a punch in the face and everyone laughs about it. You just have to sit there and take it because you're scared. You know what I mean? So when I say decisions, I finally got to fifth grade. I know this. I started so young when it comes to fighting and, and bullying. When it came to – I was in fifth grade and I was being embarrassed by this guy in front of a, you know, quote-unquote pretty girl back in fifth grade. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm just going to throw something back at him. Bang, I punched him in the face and he put him on his butt. And Hell yeah. He, yeah, he got up and he was like so mad, but yet he wanted to cry and he ran off. And I was just like, oh, shoot. And in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, it actually, I carried it into my MMA game. So I realized then, this is in fifth grade, I remember, um, I realized, man, if I want him to stop or slow down, punch him in the face. You know, <laughs> and so if you watch me fight now, when I get tired or if, you know, like we have some we have some monsters in our gym uh, and I don't care if it's MMA or jujitsu, if I want you to slow down or stop, I got to meet your pace. So if it's if it's MMA, I got to punch back. If I don't punch back and just cover up and roll and double over, you're going to start beating me up. Well, I don't want you to beat me up. So I'm going to punch you back. You know what I mean? It's same thing with jujitsu. If you're going fast, well, dang it. 
I got to keep up with you and hold you down. And thank God, God gave me some uh, athletic ability to do that. Um, But yeah, so I made that choice then in fifth grade that I wouldn't be bullied anymore. And and then coming out of uh, that's in the fighting, that's in the fighting going down that path. But in terms of a life path, um, getting out of it, that wasn't until uh, I I know exactly when this happened as well. So from the age from like fourth grade moving up, I was a thug. Uh, My mom came out of prison. Um, my dad was just about to go into prison. And then my mom was like, um, she was really excited to be home. She's like, but what do you want? What can I get you? And I was like, I want a pair of boxers. She's like, boxers? Like the underwear, you know, boxers. I was like, was like yeah, I want to be able to sag my pants. <laughs> <You know? laughs> How stupid was that? But we were that poor. We didn't even, I mean, I don't remember wearing underwear. I just, I'm sure we did. I just don't remember it. But I do remember when my mom came out in fifth grade, we can't, we, you know, Came back to San Antonio. So I went to Corpus Christi for a real short period of time with my dad, uh, which was a not, not any better situation. He was still on drugs. Uh, we lived with his mom, and I, we were in the, in the hood in Corpus Christi, right? So then we came back after my mom was getting out of prison, and my dad was, eventually went shortly after that. But, uh, and I was like, yeah, and that's when I knew I wanted to be a gangster, right? I'm going to call it a wannabe because I think all that stuff is foolish. But, and that's when I became like hood until my eighth grade year, I just came out of alternative school. I hit a teacher in the head with a stapler. Uh, uh, so they sent me alternative you, school. Wait, wait, you hit a head. You you hit a teacher in the head with a stapler. Yeah, in seventh grade, it wasn't my fault though. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I was a bad kid, man. I'll tell you that 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 right there was me growing up and being groomed to be a product of my environment. But yeah, he kicked my desk, and it just so happened it was one of those. It was a it was a single frame desk where you had the wooden flat top where you would do your work, and then they had that yeah. little bar on the side. And then you, you know what I mean? We went down and connected to the chair piece of it. Well, when he kicked my desk because I was being loud and annoying and obnoxious, it was all my fault. As I'm looking at it now, he kicked it with that little bar that goes down and connects to the seated portion, hit my quad and like dead leg me, man. And it was painful, you know? So me being who I was, remember I told you, if I didn't want you to hit me, I'd hit you back. So I got up with the stapler and hit him in the head and made him bleed and went to alternative school. And that was a big old, <laughs> that was a big old di- different story. Um, but I came back out of alternative school. Um, and, and, and man, this, the coolest thing is I, was, I, I got in more trouble. I, I, I was fresh. It's eighth grade year because my whole seventh grade year I, said, I spent in alternative school. So, and then I came back to regular school, eighth grade. And then I, mean, I was about to get into a fight. And then this coach, his name is Coach Thrist, grabbed me and pulled me. He said, what the hell are you doing, man? I said, this guy's making fun of me. I don't even tell you why he's making fun of me because I don't like talking about it. But again, understand I came from a crazy nasty background right uh we were about to fight and then uh he pulled me into the room and says you know what you're, you're such a dad you're such a good athlete but you're wasting it because you're too busy trying to be a thug and, you know at that time I was break dancing doing backflips off the wall you know I can do backflips and stuff and so um I was going back he was he's like he's like you're an athlete you don't need I do know it I, just, I never played sports I, never in my youth did I play organized sports what I played is mainly football and that was tackle football on the east side uh, in the street, you know, and that's real. Like, that's what we used to do, you know, watch all the movies from the 90s. That's what everybody did, you know, especially as a kid growing up in the hood. So I, I knew football, played a little bit of basketball, but mainly football, right? And so he's like, uh, but I could always run. And I never knew how fast I was, but I, I could always run. And he said, uh, <clears throat> he's like, it, it was, it was a, it was, that was like a Monday or a Tuesday. And he was like, why don't you run track for me this week? And grant, I'm in eighth grade. So I think track meets like on Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember. 
He's like, run the mile for me. And I said, I can run the mile, no problem. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so I, I, he's like, all right, show up. I show up. He throws me in a pair of running clothes. I run the mile and I smoke everybody. I run a 512, no training uh, in eighth grade in the mile. And he was just like, and I'm talking about lapping people. And he was just like, you see what I'm talking about? I mean, the parent, I didn't really understand how big of a deal it was. But in eighth grade, running a 512 mile was like a pretty big deal, right? And so um, they were all excited. And then, and then so going into the summer, Coach Thris picked me up a lot. I would, I would say every day, but it literally wasn't every day. But over the summer to keep me out of trouble as I transitioned to high school. And he, what he was trying to do was look out for my future, try to get in trouble. So he'd pick me up and take me to the gym, and he would go do work. And he would say, hey, there it is. There's the weight room. And then sometimes people were playing basketball. At this point, I was already in the basketball uh, by my freshman year. Um, and then I ended up being a really good basketball player. But So I was always playing basketball or I was lifting weights or doing something. And he picked me up every day in the summer uh, all the way up into fo- football camp. Made it through high school. Did very well in high school in football. Made, I, was mar- I was varsity started, uh, um, since my freshman year. On and off of varsity, I would say that mainly a lot because you know, people get hurt or I got in trouble. <laughs> so, and then when I really decided to say I didn't want to be a thug or a punk was my freshman year. But then when I decided I didn't want to be a thug or a punk in life, that was right after high school. Uh, I, so let me back up a little bit. Did really well in football. Got a, a partial scholarship to Stephen F. Austin University. Got accepted to Stephen F. Austin University. I didn't take it because my mom had made a comment and said, Son, you go over there and you show the foot, you show the, the world what you're made of. You go show the world football. So I don't care if I have to sell my house. Remember, we come from super, super poor beginnings, right? Uh, and the house that we had, <laughs> it's basically just a glorified, a glorified shack. I'm not going to make my mom shell the, sell the only thing we have. So I remember the, the morning we were supposed to drive out to orientation. I was like, nah, mom, I don't want to go. She goes, well, you know, you know the rule. You either join the military, go to school, or get a job. I'm like, well, I'm not doing military and I'm not doing uh and I'm not doing um uh school that's for damn sure I'm too stupid I guess I'm getting a job right well uh, one day <laughs> yeah dude that, that, that was literally my mindset uh, I was very very ignorant coming out of high school because I was a really a pretty good jock and so I spent a lot of time in the gym versus in the classroom I uh, didn't realize how dumb it was until I got to the Marine Corps and what happened was is I had this Marine from my junior year telling me Come on, join the Marine Corps, join the Marine Corps. He would lend us his, his Mustang. I mean, this dude was just, I won't even say his name. I don't, I don't know if he would want me to, but man, this guy was the best guy. And it wasn't, he played a big part in this because he was up my ass for two years of joining the military. And I'm like, yeah, right, the military's stupid. You know, you don't get to be you. And, you know, I, re- I regurgitate all the garbage that your family tells you, right? The government owns you. And, uh, you know. One day on the way home, catching the bus home, I'm walking. I'm like, man, look at this. I just got off the bus and I'm walking home. I don't want to do. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want. I don't want to be that. And, I, and just so happened when I was having that thought, I was in front of the recruiting station. I walked over there. Uh, it was on a Saturday, and I said, hey, is uh, uh, my recruiter here? They said I want to say his name just in case. Text him, and he's like, I'll be right there. And next thing you know, man, I was I was joining the Marine Corps, not knowing. I couldn't even pronounce what I joined. But I got into a pipeline to do uh, reconnaissance, and you're just like, what? Like, I was like, Renaissance, and I would tell my brother, hey, what did I join? He goes, reconnaissance, stupid. Recon. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my but who knew? But, but <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know. And then when my recruiter took me, you had to go meet with the uh, sergeant major, and, 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 and he would have to approve you to go to that pipeline, right? And so, but I'm a cocky little jerk, man. I was so good in sports, super athletic. I'm a, I'm a buck 80. 
buck 85. Actually, it was after high school, so about 190. Um, and then he's like, meet the sergeant major. So I met the sergeant major. He's like, how fast can you run a three mile? I'm like, how fast do you want me to run it? <laughs> he's like, how many pull-ups can you do? I'm like, how many pull-ups do you want me to do? Like, I'll do it. But you give me a timeline, let me train for it. I'll, 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 I'll do it. And not only will I do it, I'll do it better. You know what I mean? That's just, that was my mentality. And so then he's like, yeah, this is, this is the kind of cocky SOB we want. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that, 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 so those are my two life choices. My life choice coming from eighth grade to freshman year made me not want to be a thug. I wanted to be more of a jock. And then uh, right after high school, over the summer, I was walking home and I was like, man, I don't want this life. I'm going to go home and I'm going to change things up. And I did. And then you, you joined the Marines, uh, you went the recon route, and you made it through so, the end of the well, pipeline. not really. Right? So what happened was I got into a car accident, man. So I, got, I didn't spend a lot of time in the Marine Corps. I got into a car accident, which I always say, my, my, my wife always corrects me, I had puddles, I had bleeding in my brain. Uh, but what they did see was bruising in my brain, which caused reoccurring migraines, which, which at the end of the day got me out of the Marine Corps. Um, very unfortunate situation because... There's a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of learning moments in there. First of all, when I joined the Marine Corps, I realized how far behind I was. Like, I used to hear my friend, and I think about it now, and I call, I, I'll say his name because I give him a lot of respect, but Cox. Cox is a guy that just, he was younger than I was, but when he came into the unit and he got into RMAP platoon, which is recon Marines awaiting training, this guy just, just spoke different. He was still a kid. We were still kids. We were, we were you know, but the way I spoke and, and paid attention to, to things, and the way he spoke, and, paid, and then I noticed everybody was like him, except for me. You know, they paid attention to the bigger picture, not just like in the moment here and now. Oh, you want me to run? Run. Okay. You want me to do? I could outrun everybody. I could do push ups. I could out do push ups. I could, the only thing I couldn't do, outdo everybody was in the pool. Oh my God. Talk about a rude awakening. So, uh, yeah, they threw me in the pool day number one. So when I got there, we had a couple of arm adders. We call them ropers, right? Who came to the gate under the influence of something I don't remember, but they got in trouble at the front gate uh, at the base. And so when I got there, they were getting thrashed and they threw me right in the middle of it. I, I, this, is, this is baptism by fire, right? They throw me in there and, and next thing I realized, I thought I could swim. I mean, I used to swing off a rope into, into a river and swim to the shore, into the embankment. I thought I was good. A uh, little bit different type of swimming here, you know, uh, for anybody who doesn't know what recon or, or, or what that kind of stuff uh, is, it's, uh, it's basically, the same training the Navy SEALs get, right? And so they're gonna do a lot of, lot of water PT. And so they throw me in there, my body starts cramping up. I'm yelling, Bunkley, I'm yelling, help, I can't breathe, ah, I can't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't good. The good thing I was in a program called RMAT to help you train to get you through that pipeline, right? So, uh, but that was day one. I eventually, you know, I tighten up everywhere and, I'm cramping everywhere. They eventually pull me out. They put me on oxygen, right? And then the, the funny thing is, is I was cramping so bad that it like just stayed cramped, like stayed in knots, right? So my finger, my hands were knotted up. My feet were knotted up. And I remember one quad and one hamstring was, was knotted up. Yeah, the whole body cramped up. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize if you never get in the water and you try to go through a military pipeline, you're not going to do very good. But the thing is, you can build up pretty quick. So it's similar in the Air Force uh, through the their special warfare pipelines. Because mm -hmm. day one, some of these kids come in and they literally don't even know how to swim. But by the end of the eight weeks, guys are crushing it. They're like, if you get eight weeks in a pool to where you're going to the pool three to five times a week, like you're gonna you're gonna improve and all the pool skills, like the the buddy breathing, the underwaters, and all that. Like if you just get comfortable 
and put the time in, you're going to get better. But I, it's funny that you say that about yourself uh, when you first got in the pool because I saw it all the time uh, in the in the Air Force <laughs> pipelines. Oh, yeah, and it's not cool. I mean, it's, it's even scary watching because we would have guys. It's very rare, right, because most guys are coming uh, and, and they've been exposed to water because they're coming from like, oh, I lived around water or I was on a swim team. I'm like, I didn't have any of that stuff growing up. So the, I got I got to swing off the rope into the river and, and, and swim back to the shore. But that's not swimming, uh, especially in the military swimming. So I did. Yeah, I, I did get to learn all the underwater stuff. We would tie knots underwater. Uh, the cool thing about me is um, is I'm very negatively buoyant. Right. So. I could go at the bottom of 15 feet with a full lung of air and just chill at the bottom on my butt and just like, and relax where everybody, where everybody else was relaxing while they were treading. It, it was the absolute worst because I'm having to do a picture perfect tread where you're, you're in a seated position, bowing your back, using your lungs as flotation devices, power breathing. Uh, you know, I was working really hard to tread, but underwater at 15 feet, I'm like, thank God, <laughs> you know, uh, where everybody else was trying to, they're trying to um, um, stroke to stay down. And they can, they only get two turns of a rope to, you know, to tie their knot. And then by by the time their their air runs out, they've wasted most of their energy and oxygen on trying to stay at the bottom. Where I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, but, so how long were you in the Marines for? For about two years, man. It, for, it was a short run. Uh, what happened was, is uh, I was super excited about my swimming and all the stuff that I've been doing. Um, I don't know at this point. Uh, yeah. So I came home Oddly enough. That was so hurt. My, my wife's family is super conservative uh, and they, they're like old school conservative people. Right. And so they're like, you're not going on dates. You're not doing any of this other stuff. And they come from a good, healthy middle class and I'm over here from the streets. And, uh, that w- anyway, we weren't allowed to go on any, um, any dates, especially like alone. Uh, but this was on a Sunday afternoon uh, and it was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't remember what time it was. And I said, Hey, can, can I, and I had to borrow the car at that cause I didn't have a car either. Right. And so I was like, Hey, can, can I take Jen to the base so I can show her my swimming? You know, I want to show her all the stuff I've been doing. Cause you know, I did, I eventually did catch up with everybody else. Now I was never fast. In fact, I won't even say I caught up with everybody else. I can swim. I can do all the strokes. I was a I was a shark because I'm better underneath. I was a strong swimmer, but fast and stuff. Nah, that's, that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, not not in the water. But I took my on my on my way there, taking my wife there. Uh, like I said, the time she was my girlfriend, got into a pretty bad car accident, which we flipped a couple times, rode a couple more times, and every time we flipped and rode, I was hitting my head on the side where the seatbelt comes out, um, which messed my brain up, which caused the recurring migraines, which caused me to. They put me with the comm shop, which it was just a big old pain, right? But it is what it was. And then people would say, man, things happen for, oh, I hated it, man. Because right shortly after that happened, man, I don't remember what month that happened in. But um, months later, a couple months later, shortly after, uh, we got activated and our team was going to go down range. And here I am at the comm shop, you know what I mean? And I hated life. I was just like, well, even before they even got deployed. They were doing like workups. They were going to the field and I'm over here in the comp shop issuing them gear. And I'm like, man, I should be out there with them. You know what I mean? I felt fine. But the moment I did anything physical, I would have a crazy migraine, right? So because the, the swelling in my brain was still there, right? So um, yeah, so, so they go down range and I'm over here hating life and everyone kept telling me, 
everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I'm like, don't tell me that crap. Don't, don't, don't tell me that. You don't know what it's like when it's, because every time it felt like every time we went to the field, it always rained and it was always freezing, you know, or, or it rained and it was super hot, you know, and super humid. So it's just, just what it was. And so we suffered together or when it's cold and you're hugging another man to stay warm, that's your brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's your, that's your brother there, you know? And so, uh, uh, and then, um, so when they went, man, and I was at the comp shop, they did me dirty, right? Because normally when you're leaving our map platoon, you're, you're not leaving because you're not leaving because you want to, because you can't drop on request when you're signing up for that pipeline. They're going to make you fail out. And when they make you fail out, it's usually they're drowning the hell out of you, right? And so people then will malinger and say, oh, I broke something. And, uh, and then they say, okay, go to, you're going to work at the admin shop somewhere. Uh, well, in my case, that wasn't the case. I mean, I had just won the recon challenge. Um, and so I, everyone knew I was, I was, it was a locked on Marine. When, when it came to being my uniform good and, and PT, I was locked on. Um, never got in trouble. Never, I never wanted to do anything bad. I, always, I was always a leader because I was loud and, and aggressive. And I could also out PT most of, mostly everybody that was around me. So, um, but that, so that wasn't the case for me. But they treated me still like the other malingers. So they had put me in the comm shop. And then they get deployed. And then they had me. And then they made me work the duty the duty phone. So if anything happened to our guys downrange, we were the ones answering the phone and talk about, you want to talk about life sucking at that point. Oh yeah. Life sucked really bad with two weeks in country. I think it was like two weeks. First IED hit a couple of guys, you know, and hit, hit a, hit a Humvee and killed a guy. And just, it's just, just really bad. And it's just like, man, what? Oh man, don't be this guy. Don't be in your brain. You're thinking like the people you really clicked with. And for me, it was, I'll say his name too, is Sergeant Gonzalez. That man, I looked up to him. I think he's he's a gunny or a staff sergeant, and he's out now. But um, man, I looked up to him like I want to be that man. You know what I mean? Like it just I had no role models, and so I was always looking for one. And he was the one that I found in Armat. And so uh, I was hoping it wasn't him. I was hoping it wasn't a couple of other guys that was with us. Um, <clears throat> and then it was funny because I walked. I'm, I'm not a crier, right? I don't cry for almost anything. I walked outside, and I would say some dust got in my eyes, right? <laughs> And, and I didn't want to tell, I, I had to walk outside because, you know, we just found out Ketchin had, had passed away in, in that blast. And so, um, and I wasn't crying because, you know, I didn't know Ketchin very well. I think I met him once or twice. But what I did do, what I did know was that that saying that everyone kept telling me, everything happens for a reason. I was like, man, maybe I wasn't supposed to go on that deployment. You know what I mean? Maybe. Uh, but you still have that, you know, I learned all this stuff with the Air Force, the survival's guilt and and all this stuff. And I, that's when I got in touch with my feelings, if you will, working for the Air Force Wonder Warrior Program, uh, which I will say made me, it's making me a better person, but doesn't mean you like it, right? I don't like the transition of being soft and being in touch with your feelings and stuff. And so, um, yeah, so I walk outside, I call my mom, I said, mom, man, Humvee just got hit. A couple guys got hurt really, really bad. And she's like, it's okay, me, she's talking to me, you know, all right, cool. I go back inside, like nothing happened. Um, and it, it wasn't until after the Marine Corps, believe it or not, man. It was years, years after the Marine Corps. I get into this where I'm working now, the Air Force Wounded Warrior Program. It's a, as you know, it's a government entity. And they keep talking about their feelings and they keep talking about how, you know, how they, you know, how they got shunned at their unit because they got hurt. I'm like, man, shut up. You know, in my brain, I'm thinking that. Uh, because in the Marine Corps, while they do that to you, but that's also your way of life. In the Marine Corps, that's why they say embrace the suck because 
you, I mean, I'm sure you were stationed with some Marines. You saw how they were treated by their, by their leadership. Their yeah. Feet, yeah. Completely different. Y'all are like, dude, you have to do what? You have to check in at nine o'clock. You have to do what? Like they kept you on a short lease and they just made life hard for you. You know? And so I thought that's all they were doing was making life hard for me, you know? So, uh, and then when I got to the Marine, when I got to the Air Force, the Air Force and the Warrior Program, I heard the same story like a million times. Oh, my unit shunned me. My unit did this. My unit did that. And I was like, man, shut up. And then one day, this one guy said the exact same story. I already heard a million times. And I was like, man, you know what? That's my story. It's exactly what happened to me, man. I got into a car accident and I freaking got out and, and they put me in the comm shop. The, oh, here's another bad thing, man. They sent me to some of the funerals of the guys that I trained with because they wanted to, re you know, a, a representative from the unit had to go. So they would send a captain, a sergeant, and then myself. And they would send me because I was the one who trained with them. Man, so they sent me, man. You, you want to talk about sucky, man. Quick, quick story about that. I had this guy named Bloom. Great guy. Uh, uh, Christian man. You know what I mean? Good Marine. Um, gets killed in, in, I don't know if it was Iraq or Afghanistan. But he, he gets killed. They, and then they're like, Moses, you got to go to his funeral. I'm like, well, okay, I guess. Man, the guy had an identical twin brother. You want to talk about, you know, really checking yourself when you're 18 or 19 years old? Do that. Have one of your friends, the guy you train with, you live with him in the squad bay, pass away in war, and then go, go see the family and see identical twin brother. And that, that makes you think about some things, you know. Uh, but again, I didn't really think about those feelings until, until afterwards, until the, until the Air Force, man. Y'all nerds over there and, and who are in touch with y'all's feelings. And Dr. Oh, my God. <laughs> y'all really got me in touch with my feelings. And, and then, like I said, that one guy, he was an RCC, which is a recovery care coordinator. He was, like, giving this story. And I was like, that's my story. Oh, my God. They did do that to me. I did get in trouble. They did make me take out everyone's trash. And they were just treating me like this. You know, then I got on that whole train of woe is me. But, uh, yeah, crazy stories, man. I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of going off your, your timeline here. But <laughs> you asked. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be rough to be going through all that training and then um, have your buddies deploy without you. Yeah, that, that's rough. But how, how did you get transitioned over uh, once you got out? So or when I got, like, how did you, how, what did you do once you got out of the Marines? Man, so when I got out of the Marine Corps, I'll, tell you, I'll take you back to my DD-214 day. So they tell me, so I was getting treated like crap and I was on my way out, right? And, you know, it's a bunch of grunts. And grunts are not nice to each other, right? Especially in the, in the Marine Corps, just Marines are not nice to other Marines. That's just how it is. Now, we're brothers to the end, right? And you see us in the street. I don't care what kind of issues me and this Marine have. You mess with either one of us, you're going down, right, pretty quick. But... In, the, in that, when I was leaving, I had a couple of uh, uh, senior leader guys, um, like a staff sergeant, what have you. So it's not really a senior leader, but, you know, they'd sure do command and take a do it. I have a lot of authority, but they would always make life hard for me. And so I, I, at my end of my rope, they were like, hey, Moses, or they say, hey, Espinosa, you, you get a DD-214 in, in two weeks or at the end of the month. And I was just like, oh, okay, like, whatever. Like, uh, they're like, you know what that is? I'm like, no, what's a DD-214? Like, I didn't even know what a DD-214 was, man. And they were like, uh, you're getting out. And that's how I learned I was getting out of the Marine Corps. I was like, what? Man, you want to talk about getting really, like, bitter and dirty with people? So then I was already getting out. So, like, that staff sergeant that kept picking on me, uh, this other sergeant, there's a couple of corporals that kept picking on me. 
You know what I mean? I was setting them all. I was trying to fight all of them. <laughs> I was like, I'm on my way out anyway. So I was like, oh, go ahead, keep talking, man, because on September 29th or 28th, whenever day I got out, I remember, right? Uh, I'm going to see you, and then you're going to have to deal with me. You know what I mean? So I was setting everybody. <laughs> Better not be at the unit that day. Sure enough, man, most of the people were not in work that day. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I, I got my pick. I picked up my DD-214, walked to my car, sat and looked at the unit. Man, I started, and that again, some dust got in my eyes. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, man, this is a short run. I didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do. And so then I, 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 I said, well, I got to get a job. So the first things first, when you're a Marine uh, 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 grunt, you're going to fall into, you're going to fall in line, right? What are you going to go do? Probably some kind of uh, security job or police or law enforcement type job and found a really quick job um doing um security with the rich people in the north side we would guard their uh their little communities but and then i was working a lot of hours and then people would call in and i'm like hey i can do i can do it again and i was working overnight and they're like you're, you're gonna work you're gonna work a double like yeah this is easy i just came out of the marine corps you know what we did you know what I mean? <laughs> like, i'm just now yeah no one, yell, is, no one yells at me yeah, I'm just sitting here at the gate. That's all like it's heated. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm good, to, I'm good to go, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. And so then I was working a lot of hours, a lot of hours. Then I get my paycheck. You know, it's like 500 bucks. Like what? I worked all these extra hours, and this is all I got. And then, then my, and so I was like, I'm going to HEB warehouse. So Sergeant Gonzalez, the guy that uh that I really looked up to, he would talk about the HEB warehouse, and that was his, his home. That's where he, that's what he did before he was in the Marine Corps. And so I went to HEB warehouse. I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And next thing I know, I was making 11 bucks an hour. So money was better. Still had to transition personality-wise. You know what I mean? I fit well into a, into a warehouse environment. Aggressive, loud, don't take no crap from anybody because, you know, there's bullies in there too, believe it or not, right? And so. Oh, my. You would, you would, be, you would be surprised. Even you'd be fighting people in, in, in the way HEB warehouse. You know, because they whistle at you to tell you move out of the way. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Yeah, they cuss at you, man. And for me, I, I'm I'm like 20 years old at this point, and I'm just like, you better not. I'm really big on respect, man. I'm an old school Hispanic kind of guy. Um, we can even get into an argument. Just don't be disrespectful. The moment you get disrespectful, I'm probably gonna punch you in the face. Like that's just how it works, right? And uh, and so, um, so I go from ATB warehouse and my buddy Manuel, who I went to high school with, and we joined the Marine Corps, not together, but we were both in the Marine Corps. And then he's just like, Hey man, I'm over here at, at, at Lackland as a gate guard. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, man. What are, they, what are they paying? Oh, they're paying 15 bucks an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in. So then I went and got to Lackland Air Force Base. And that's where I had to start transitioning the personality. You have to do more customer service, you know, I couldn't just be like, like a, like a grunt, <laughs> grunting and yelling and, you know, talking like a Marine, you know, you can't do that stuff um, at Lackland. So that was my first taste of having to assimilate back into the normal world. Cause that, that is a process, you know what I mean? Coming from the Marine Corps infantry life uh, to um, working in the civilian life, you better stop saying the word freaking every third word. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that makes you sound very stupid. It doesn't make sense, right? And so, so then I go from Lackland. I stay there for a while. We turn federal. I become a federal guard. And then uh, Obama became president. Did a lot of furloughs in 2008. Boom. So I got out. Uh, they, I was one of the ones they let go. And that's what got me mad about the Air Force. I was like, I'll never work for the Air Force again because they, they do what any other branch of service probably does. They take care of their own. So when they had to cut jobs they let all the Army and Marine Corps guys go first. At least that's what it felt like, right? <clears throat> so then 
I got, I went back to school. I needed money is why I went back to school, not because I wanted to be something great, but I went back to school, did the voc rehab, getting paid monthly. And then uh, I got a job in the IT field. And this is my second test of the, the simulation, getting back into the civilian world. Um, I had to learn how to talk to people, not just normal people, Indians from India. So their customs and courtesies are not the same as ours. So it's very easy for them to be disrespectful without even knowing they're being disrespectful. And I remember I was barking. So at the end of the day, a long story short was I realized I was the common denominator. I was always one fighting with everybody. And I was like, ah, I got to check myself again. So I checked myself again. And then I left that place and went to a bigger company, um, another IT company, went over there. And then I was like, hey, I, I got to remake myself, like reinvent myself. And so I then really practiced being customer service and corporate America. And that's where I really started to actually exercise and become that change of being a Marine Corps grunt to, hey, I can be, I can, I can survive in corporate America. And so the transition was hard. I got into a lot of arguments, got a lot of write-ups, <laughs> got, got, got in a lot of trouble, you know what I mean? And it is what it was, but it, you have to go through that stuff to, to, like I said in the beginning, to be a product of your choice. I could have stayed being a hardcore, hard charger, Marine Corps grunt, and probably would have got a job at HEB Warehouse and stayed there the rest of my life. Or I could say, ah, oh, man, it's me. Because even though I still think each one of those issues was their fault, the common denominator is me fighting with everybody. So I checked myself again, you know what I mean? That's why I made the choice. I made the choice to be different and it made me who I am today. That's why people make fun of my accent sometimes. They're like, hey, you talk funny. I don't know if it's intense or aggressive or passionate. I don't know. I'm like, man, I come from the, from the gutter to Marine Corps grunt to trying to do corporate America. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, that's the thing. Uh, you're definitely really not, I wouldn't say aggressive, but yeah, passionate. You're, you're aggressive and passionate of when, when you talk <laughs> and when you interact with people in the gym, like you're, you're vocal, like you're, you're a personality and you're fun. You'll walk in the gym. You're like, you'll talk shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, damn, damn Moses. I didn't say anything to you. <laughs> Why are you coming at yeah. me like that? It's all funny. That's, that's, that's the military. That's the military humor, right? You're going to make fun of each other and, uh, you know, I, and I go always go back to my military roots. While my, my run was very short, it gave me the discipline. It gave me everything, the leadership skills, the how to, uh, you know, uh, how to address, you know, confrontation, you know, conflict resolution, all that stuff. I, I, I give it all to the Marine Corps. I'm like, man, because it gave me the discipline to say, uh, to look, how do I word this? It gave me the discipline to think about the big picture and take myself out of it. It gave me the ability to say, hey, take your, take your bias out of, the, out of the equation and really think about the situation. You know what I mean? And, so, and because of that, it makes me who I am. But I, I can't forget, because uh, I'm naturally a clown, right? I'm naturally, I like to joke around and all this other stuff. But I pick and choose who I want to joke around with because um, I never say nothing mean, right? I never call you like, uh, I don't want to even. No, no. Uh, oh, absolutely not. You're a super respectful dude. Uh, it, and everything you say is funny. But... It's just off the wall sometimes. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you're always cracking Air Force jokes, and I don't know. You like if someone someone's in the gym is old, like you'll call them <laughs> old. Or you're uh, as as Ben would say, you're a habitual. That is shepherd. that is that is me. I, I do I do that often, and I'm always flirting with it. Oh yeah, yeah. A, you know, but I read. Yeah, yeah. 
You're like, you're like, how much can I get away with without completely pissing this guy off? But you know what, though? The cool thing is, if I ever did and someone got mad, I would check. I would, I, I mean, trust me when I, you would, what's that? You'd be like, it's my fault. Like, I, I definitely own Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, and I'll say this, ask Edgar, because, you know, I, I, sometimes I think I go, I'm like, man, did I say something wrong? Not because of his reaction, just because it, to me, it just sounded funny. I'll call Edgar, hey, Edgar, man. You know, me and Edgar, I got real tight with Edgar. And so I was like, I call him and I'm like, hey, man, when I said this, I don't know if you took it like this, but this is what I meant. And no, I didn't take it like that. I just want to be clear, man. It's my fault if you did, you know, because, you know, it just I make a lot of jokes and, and there's nothing for me. There should really be in life. You only live once. Right. So there should really be nothing that you can't joke around about. Like, you know, like, like, oh, we can't joke around about politics. We can't talk about politics or we can't talk about religion or even race. I, man, call me a spick. I don't care. Like if you're. <laughs> if, if you're doing it to be funny, like, man, I'll take it on the chin and, you know, if you called me a spick, like, whatever, honky bunkly, you know, you know whatever. It, but you, you, should be, <laughs> you should be able to laugh about all that stuff, you know what I mean? Like, to be that, that uptight, man, and if you're that uptight, I'm, I'm probably not going to joke around with you that much, you know? But the guys... No, exactly, exactly. I, uh, and it was, I mean, it was awesome going through fight camps with you. You're definitely a personality. And you're one of those, and I, I'm the exact same way. I don't joke around. I would say I don't joke around like like I do with you with most people. Uh, and it's it's not that I think they would be butthurt about it. But, yeah, you're definitely a, the initiator of the shit talking. <laughs> gotta be, man. You know what I mean? Like, and, the, and, the, and then it's fair game from yeah, there. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. So, so I do have some limitations, right, that people don't know. But I, I don't like to be called dumb in a serious way. So you can call, oh, man, get out. You stupid. That's no problem. But if you're like, man, you know, if you like literally tell me in a serious face, man, you're stupid. You're the dumbest guy I've ever met because I was so dumb after I graduated high school. I'm, I'm, I'm not dumb now. I got a bachelor's degree. My, my speech is, man, you wouldn't even believe I used to speak all Ebonics. You wouldn't even believe that I spoke like that. But so when you call me dumb now, for some reason, that's a trigger for me. Don't say I'm dumb, you know, because I will, you know what I mean? Really quick, tell you don't say yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, ever since I've ever since I've known you, you've you've not been dumb. So <laughs> but, uh, th- thanks to the and, and it's crazy. It's crazy having these podcasts and hearing like all my friends' background stories and uh, everything that you're saying. It's like, man, like you really get to understand someone, and you really get to understand your personalities and and what you came from. It's it's uh. It's eye-opening. And it's super nice, though. You know what I mean? It's nice to know where someone comes from because, like me, like, you would say just the way I talk, like, it's intense or aggressive or passionate. And I use those words because, you know, it's, it's also – it's a curse as well because, man, I come from the streets, like, literally the streets where we had no electricity, no water for, for what felt like weeks and months. I mean, I'm sure it was just maybe a couple and, – and- And you're hanging out with, you know, just guys in the wrong crowd and guys who are doing bad things. And you want to be them. Because you think it's cool, you think it's funny, so you want to do what they did, you know. So, I, I and then when I eventually realize, that, hey, if, if I hit you with this right hand, you're gonna leave me alone. But then I, not only do you think it, it's not just no longer defense, you start becoming on offense, and you almost start flirting with the word being a bully yourself. You know, then then you start like, what? Oh, and then you're making fun of people, and then I'm somebody in high school and middle school, not you're embarrassing people, you know. So what I thought was funny then, when I look at it now, I'm like, man, I was borderline. Bo- bullying people because now I know and now people were scared of me because they're like hey Moses don't care you know but you have some that's where I came from I had to because and really I did it because I was scared it all started because I was scared 
And that's crazy. And even in, to be honest, even to this day, like when someone says, oh, let's fight. Well, I wouldn't say I'm still scared, but you know, you get the, 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 the feeling in your hands and your heart starts pumping a little bit. I get excited to fight now. You know what I mean? But I would, I get excited. but, but the, but the, the MMA though humbles you though. I tell you, man, because I can go to, I don't care. Let, I mean, let's call it a bar. You go to a bar and, and catch me seven, eight years ago, saying, say something stupid to me. Oh man, we're fighting right away. Right, right away. Um, you catch me today in a bar, which you probably won't, but if you catch me in a bar today, you, you, you'd be like, oh, da, da, da. I'm like, man, you ain't even a, you ain't even a warm up for a sparring session. Get out of my face. You know what I mean? I'm, well, yeah. Well, I think that comes with the confidence of MMA and what MMA has done for you. Like I've seen you in the ring, knock out dudes in less than a minute. And at that point, you know, you're the man, like, you know, you got what it takes. Like, there's no sense of being scared. There's no sense of proving anything. Like, you know where you're at. You know you're comfortable in life. Like you're, uh, you're a family man. You have kids. You're, you're a full grown adult now. So, uh, where you once used to be short tempered, uh, you know, look back and kind of laugh because it is. It's insecurities. It's and it's being scared and it's not being confident in yourself and which has completely changed. And ever since I've known you, you've been nothing but great. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself great, but I appreciate the uh, saying that I'm I, saying that I'm I'm good or great or anything. But I just I like to have fun. I'm gonna enjoy life. Like fighting is just my hobby, man. Like I wish I could make it a full time thing. I, you know, well, actually, I don't. I like my life. I, in fact, I love my life. I got good income. My wife has good income. We live on a nice little nice little humble home, and I wouldn't want to try to make it as a fighter. I just fight because I really enjoy it. It really keeps you, it keeps you humble, keeps you grounded. Also, man, the, like when we say BTT family, I'm not trying to do a plug for the, for the gym <laughs> by no means because I got there back in the day when, when it was a fight club almost, right? But, you know, you have your friends. I mean, I, mean, I have some friends from, from the gym that I talk to, and you know what I mean? You want to go hang out with them, and that's like, it's like my social hour. I guess like a drunk would go to the bar to happy hour. Well, I'm going to jiu-jitsu and, and MMA for, you know, my social hour here, and so – just super yeah, cool, it just, man. It's so much more productive. I, I don't know how you were when you were younger, but uh, when I was in my younger 20s, I would get out of work and all my boys would just get together and we'd go out to the bars and drink. And that has transitioned over the years to, I'm going to get off work, go train some MMA. And I get just the, the amount of social interaction said instead of getting drunk and getting hammered, uh, we're all working out together and bettering ourselves. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and you can you can you can easily put it to where it's the same as in being in the military and training together. Literally, you have that sense of camaraderie, that sense of brotherhood. Um, I remember uh, who was fighting. It might have been Aunt Ivy. Might have been fighting at Cowboys. Somebody was fighting, and we were all there uh, supporting. And um, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you were in town or not, but I don't know if you ever heard the story. Guys got mad. I think Anthony won. Guys got mad, and, and it's, it's these Brazilian dudes, and they started trouble. And then Ben's like, "Mo, let's go." I'm like, "You, you don't even know about me. Like this, this, this is this is my home right here. When you you say Mo, let's go, let's. I, you ain't gotta say twice. So we start walking. And he turns around, and looks at me like I, I think he thought I wasn't gonna be there, and he's like, "You ready?" I'm like, "Yeah, hey, I'm here. Let's go." You know what I mean? And for Ben, like, I, I like Ben a lot. Me and Ben get along great. Uh, uh, never had any issues. 
but to say like we're best close friends like the way me and Edgar are, no, me and Ben, we're not besties like that. You know, we don't text each other outside. And like I talk to Edgar weekly. In fact, his wife and my wife make fun of us. We're like, oh, is that your bromance? You know, I talk to Edgar all the time. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I don't, I don't do that with Ben, but I, I, Ben's my brother and, 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 and BTT. And when he said, let's go, let's go. I was ready to roll. Right. And he, I think he was surprised, but when he still saw me behind him, but that's where that, that's that sense of brotherhood. We train together. You sweat together. You bleed together. Right. Same thing in training in the military. You're freezing together in the rain. You bleed together. And then that's that where that's my brother. Don't you dare touch my brother because if you do, you got to deal with me. And that's, and that's Ben because Ben is up there. I've been with Ben for, you know, a really long time because I've been at the gym since around 2010-ish, right? So there's a couple of old school guys in there that we went through BTT when, when uh, Marcelo had it. And that was a fight club. <laughs> it's different. Than yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I hear, that's what I hear from everyone. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love the camaraderie of BTT. I, any gym you go to is going to be similar, but – I was there for the longest period in my military career because uh, when I was previously in San Antonio, I was in El Paso. And from there, I was TDY, deployed. I was constantly gone. And I would pop into the gym or I'd, you know, get a couple training sessions in. uh, But I didn't get to really spend a lot of time uh, with people there. And they were all awesome. But when I moved to San Antonio and I had a stable life uh, as an instructor – and I wasn't going TDY, I wasn't deploying, and I was able to just focus on training and train five, six times a week at Brazilian Top Team. I, I spent more time with the people in the gym than I did anywhere else. And the, yeah, like in a three and a half period, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say all of you guys are like family. And I'm trying to get back to that. But, um, <laughs> one, one of my best... One of my best times in San Antonio was the fight camp that we went, the multiple fight camps that we went Mm -hmm. through together. So I showed up at the gym in May um, and I was competing, competing, uh, had a little leg injury. And then in September, I was just really itching to fight. And I got linked up with uh, Rudy uh, with Real MMA because he – uh, I did him a solid on a tough enough card and just filled in like last minute. So I, I kept in touch with Rudy. He got me on the real MMA card. And then uh, I, I, I was just at the gym one day and I'm like, hey, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be fighting on this card. And you, you were like, what? I want to come. And I, <laughs> we re- reached out on the card too. Yeah. And then it was game on for there, like eight weeks uh, from September. And then we fought in October. We fought the day before Halloween. Yeah. And yeah, me and you, like, and then we got we got like a crew of guys. Like AJ was helping us, Johnny, uh, Jesse was in there, Chewy, and yep. yeah, we were. And uh, Sergio was was doing work. I mean, we were we were literally spending every every single amount of free time that I had. I was at the gym, just grinding with you. Yeah, and and that's what builds that brotherhood, man. This is why I say like. You know, a gym is like I wouldn't say it's paramilitary. It's not. It's not paramilitary. Not even a little bit. But the feeling that goes behind it of of the camaraderie and the brotherhood, man, it's just it's on another level. And again, the yeah. best the best part about it with what with the world, well, not the world, but what the United States is going through right now, it's a good escape because I can go hang out with black dudes. We have the different variety of people. Like we're really diversified in our gym, as most gyms are, because for my job, I I, I travel for work. 
And I and I find a BTT. I mean, not not a BTT. I find a jiu-jitsu gym or MMA gym. There, I mean, I go hit it once or twice or three times in that ten-day period because I'm really busy. But but no gym has been like ours. Like you see it, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a a diluted version of ours. It's kind of a eh, it's okay. Eh. You know, I have yet to find a gym that's just a bunch of killers together that are just loving life and loving training together. Yeah, you know? and it is pretty crazy of the diversity at brazilian top team and i'm not talking about race i'm just talking about what everyone does for a living you have teachers you have doctors you have <laughs> diego like move packing up from brazil and just moving everything down to san antonio and and running the whole thing you got uh yeah, man so many different so many different characters so many different backgrounds and yeah we're all there for a common goal just fighting for the good but another thing that i love about it is just the competition Uh, and uh, competing myself and having everyone around you, like having all the people that have trained you and uh, everyone there that you train day in and day out with, like in your corner screaming for you, that is the best feeling in the world. And uh, not only that, but being able to support uh, your brothers who are going out and doing the same thing. It, it is completely awesome. And it's, uh, it's inspiring. um, And it's motivating. Like when we'd go to the uh, the fight to wins or uh, when one of our guys fought, fights MMA, uh, just being there and win or lose, just being in that environment, like I think to myself, like, dang, like I want to I want to like I'm, I'm next. I'm next. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to and I'm going to represent the gym next. So it, yeah. it makes me want to continue to better myself. I know exactly what you're talking about. When someone else is getting some, and you want you you want a piece of the action. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, man. And, and that is the cool thing, like because you know every one of my MMA fights so far, except for one of them, I'm almost alone, right? So I went with you the first time. So it's me, you, and Jesse. Uh, and then I had my father-in-law, and then you had your mom, dude. Your mom's awesome. Uh, but you know, but and so when you're done fighting, even though my first fight was done in I think under 30 seconds or something like that. I walked over to you, and, and, and I remember, because I looked for my team. I looked for my team, like, you know what I mean? And then you walk over there, and, and we all, like, hug each other, boom, boom. He's like, ah, oh, I just went to war, even though mine was a very short-lived war. Um, it, you know, cause thank God I won. But um, you do look for that, that brother, you know what I mean? This is what I'm talking about, that brotherhood. Because I can tell you, when, when I went and fought in Tennessee, I fought that tournament. I fought two days back-to-back. And, um, and when, you get off the, when you get out of the thing... You want to look to your fight team. It's weird because my wife was there, my father-in-law was there, and of course I leaned on them. You know, you go to them, you're like, oh man, because they, I mean, I was hurting day number two. You know, my shin were these really thin shin pads. They were like the real cheap ones from uh, from Academy, is what it seemed uh-huh. like. And so it was still, man, that bone was still touching touching their legs, and so my shins were super sore. Um, after my day one of fighting. So, man, I, you, you want to reach out to your BTT brothers. It, but instead, my father-in-law stepped in. Man, my father-in-law, that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother story. But he, he is a guy that will always be in every one of my corners for sure. I don't care who says what. I, I don't care. My father-in-law will be there because, you know what, he'll be there to take care of me. You know what I mean? Um, just, he just takes care of me on another level. I got this. Most, most, you don't do nothing but focus on your fights. I, I'll take care of everything else. And that's the kind of guy you want, right? But outside of that, really, you want to lean on your brothers that you're fighting with. You know, like I said, my first and second fight, you were there the second fight as well. 
Oh, actually, Diego and everybody was at the second fight in Vegas because yeah, yeah, because he on got that married. Second fight, yeah. Me, you, and Jesse were on the same card, and everyone flew down for Diego's wedding. So there was <laughs> yeah. literally like thirty people from BTT in the crowd in Sam's Town, Las Vegas. Yeah, it was good, dude. That was a good time. That was one of my favorite fights because the fight team was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, everyone, everyone. Yeah, it was good um, times, man. And it's. And it's it's kind of weird going to tournaments or competitions because uh, I've I've traveled a lot for training and um, um, competition, and yeah, it's 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 not the same when you go and compete somewhere and you're alone. It's it, it's a different feeling because at that point it's more of okay, I'm the new guy and I have something to prove. Whereas when you're competing at a local tournament or uh, a, a tournament where you have your teammates, it's like okay. Okay, I got I got my support system, um, and it's and it's weird for me too because uh, I've competed a couple times in Las Vegas, and I have my I have my mom there. Uh, I love I love my mom, but it, it's not it's not the same yeah. when, when she goes. Like I, I know I know my mom loves me. I know my mom wants me to do good, uh, but when I'm when I'm like in the zone, ready to fight, like. My mom's not the kind of person where it's just like, all right, let's fucking go. My mom's here. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's like, it's like, I don't want my mom there. I, like, I, I love my mom. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad she's super supportive and I love it. I want her to be there, but um, I want, I want Ben Linney in my corner. I want, I want Jason. Mm-hmm. I want Moses. Like, I want people who are, I'm like, okay, I freaking train with this guy. Uh I know their level intensity. I know I've seen them compete. I know they want it. I know I I know that they have that mentality that I want in my corner and uh, that intensity and that focus. So, yeah, it's just definitely different. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't ask for anything else. That's why I'm saying I've been to a lot of different gyms. I even went to uh, MMA fighters gyms. Like I went to um, Max Holloway's in Hawaii, and it was super cool, dude. It was like a real chill, laid back, but it wasn't BTT. It it, it was cool. And yeah. I, yeah, how was how was that? How was training there? What's that gym called? Man, I couldn't tell you. I just I just I Googled it and I said Max Holloway BTT. It turns out he's in the same the same island I was, which is uh, I mean, I don't even really know how the the, the breakdown of Hawaii, but it, I guess it's um what's the name of the stupid island? I was in Honolulu basically, right? And so what happened was is I Googled it, turns out he was just four or five miles up the road. So I drive over there, I'm like, oh I saw that's why I don't even know the name. I said directions and went. And training there was crazy because, you know, who ended up being there? He was training for his fight. Um, I'm not gonna, uh, Tyron Woodley was there. And, oh. Yeah. And so I got to roll with Tyron, Tyron Woodley. And, dude, that guy is just a freak animal just physically. You look at him. So he's like five foot ten or something like that. I don't know how, how tall he is. He's shorter than me, though. He's shorter than me. But his feet and his hands are, like, bigger than me. You know what I mean? Like, his... his it's just and his athletic ability, his explosiveness. You can see the different caliber of athleticism in him, and I was just like, God, dog. And so he was just. Um, and so the day I got there, it was a no gi, but I only had gi stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. I'll just sit and watch. When he's like, Yeah, hey, you want to roll with me? You want to train? I'm like, Yeah, dude. That dude just puts one of his freaking hands behind my neck. It was no gi. He just kind of put one. In. And I'm not a no gi guy. You know, I'm not that. I'm not that good at it. It hurts my back to sit in a wrestling position for too long. I have back issues. And so that's why I kind of try to stay away from no, uh, from wrestling and no gi. But uh, he just put his hand on the back of my head. I'm like, God, 
dang it. And the next thing you know, just moving me around. So I had to up my level also with respect to him because that's the pro. That's a UFC fighter. Like, I'm going to respect him. I'm not going to show like I'm trying to go all out. But I also don't want him to think I'm some my first day white belt. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But he, it was super cool, man. It, they were really cool. I got to train with uh, Max Holloway as well a little bit. Did a little bit of stand-up with them. With his, with his, with his striking coach, I liked their striking, their, their striking class there. It was, it was different. It was, it was kind of cool. Uh, but you know what? They don't spar. See, because we used to spar a lot with Sergio. Even if it was light, we sparred daily. Um, yeah. And then before that, back before, like in 2010, I mean, sparring sessions were fighting like people are getting knocked out, people getting their heads split open, you know what I mean? So there, just of what I've learned over traveling, a lot of people don't spar. Like it's like positional sparring almost. So, so like we're going to work jabs and you're going to work defense, but it's more like drills than actual sparring. So I'm like, man, I need to go back home to BTT. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah, it's it's I've seen that a lot too. It's weird and uh, I love to spar. And when I spar, I don't go, I don't spar hard. I just love the workout of it. Um, and I do a lot of technical sparring. Yeah. And since I left BTT, I've been doing mostly stand-up. Um, so, yeah, the, the technical sparring I do, I'm going, you know, like, I'm going like 60, 70%. And I'm just working technique. I'm not, I'm going fast. Like, I'm working my footwork, my defense. Uh, but I'm not throwing shots hard. Yeah. And, and that's, how, that's how I've been training. And, and it's weird. It's just, it's, it's kind of crazy to see that some of these pros don't spar. And um, I've heard stories of guys like there was one fighter. I forgot who it was, but he's like one of the top guys. And the guy hasn't sparred in over five years. You're talking about, um, I think it's Tony Ferguson. I think he did recently just say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. People come out and like, they don't spar. But I've been. I've also been to other gyms. Uh, I I trained with uh, Israel Adesanya mm-hmm. down in City Kickboxing in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and those guys they spar hard. <laughs> nice. Like they don't. They don't. They don't mess around. Yeah. So I like sparring hard, but what I mean by spar hard, we're not knocking each other out. I want that grind. I'm like the oh, you know. I like to spar hard, but not with hard shots. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. Like we're. It's just. Yeah. It's just that grind. It's just different, you know, and so. Um, yeah, man, I, and I, I'm kind of understanding what people are saying because a lot of the old heads that, like, eh, like Nate Diaz or the Diaz brothers would always say, man, you don't spar as much as we do. And then I started following them, and I, I wasn't always a big fan of them when they were big in the uh, UFC. I didn't start liking them until afterwards because I thought they were dumb. I thought, I thought they were dumb. Like, man, how are you going to be successful and be all this stuff, and yet you still talk like that? And I just I judge people by not elevating themselves, and especially them. They have all this money. Now you have the means to elevate yourself, and they didn't. So I hated them for the longest time. But then I gained this respect for them because they really believe in just being a weapon. Their body is a weapon. And so then one of them had recently started saying as well, like, we don't need a spar like that no more. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then, and then you hear, I think, it, I don't know if it was BJ Penn or somebody, they were saying the same thing. A lot of old heads that were all about sparring are now saying, nah, you got you to you train smart. One of your yep. training days might be recovery. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and for me, that makes so much sense because I'm that dumbass guy from high school that was squatting 550 at 180 pounds in high school because I was sacrificing my body. I wanted the coach to cheer for me. And how did I make him cheer for me? Be a strong freaking guy, right? So here I am squatting 550, literally squatting 550 pounds at a buck 80, 
man, I think that was the beginning to messing up my back. I was power cleaning heavy, heavy weights. I don't remember, but I remember I was tied with the school record. I was doing all that stuff. And then they're talking about sacrifice your body in football. I was the king of sacrificing your body. Well, guess what? I'm 35 years old and the sacrifice, I'm paying for it now. You know what I mean? Which people are like, man, come train. Like, hold on. I listen to the body first. Uh, today's, oh, yeah. Today might be a day I might go hit the weight room or today might be a day where I go do uh, swimming. I like to swim when the when pools open back up. I swim anyway. But today might be a day where I might just rest, you know, because I have to listen to my body. Because if I push it like this, I'll, I'll be broken for a month, two months, who cares how long, and it's been an extended period of time. I'd rather just take a day off, you know, or maybe, yeah. or maybe a handful of days versus a week versus two weeks or anything longer than that. So listening to the body and, and training smarter is the way of the, I think is the, is the way people should be training now. Ben and Avery back, uh, I think you were still around at this time frame. We had got like a little group where we were just doing a lot of good tech. We would go back there because that's when MMA was still in the back. Remember we used to call it like the pit it was all black in the back. Uh-huh. But now he has a storage. We used to go back there and man, just freaking sweat it all out and, we used to do great technical sparring, and Ben's always like, hey, that, look, you, you do the same thing. Every time you pull away, you jump twice on your toes, you drop your hand, and you pick your chin straight up in the air. Stop doing that. You know what I mean? And it, it's just technical. And then you get feedback while in the middle of the sparring session. So to me, that's when you grow. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know, I'm starting to really believe in let's do more of that. Like we, uh, instead of sparring, you can even spar a couple times a month. Uh, if you have a, a, a camp coming up, it's different. But if we're just training just to train, eh, I'm good with sparring. <laughs> As I've gotten older, I've realized the importance of rest uh-huh. and t- taking it taking it a little easier because well, when I first got to San Antonio, I was 24 years old, you know, like prime. That's prime time for being able to work out like three times a day and having no repercussions. <laughs> well, it, it caught up because I kept getting injured and I'm like, man, why do I keep getting injured? And looking back on it, it's because I was working out like four hours a day, five hours a day sometimes. And now I'll go to the gym for an hour and a half, like one, an hour and a half uh, every day. That's it. Yeah. And I feel amazing. Like my body feels amazing. And I'm doing way less workload than I was before. I'm resting on the weekends. Like I'm, I'm doing the minimum, I guess you could say. Uh, but I'm also still continuously putting in the work. So that's another thing is you got to find that balance of putting in the work, which if you just show up, you're going to put the work in and then staying consistent with that without overexerting yourself. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that what you're saying is just to be efficient in your training. And I would agree with it. Yeah. yeah you have to be efficient with, you know, I, I'm broken, dude. Like, check it out. Like uh, literally. So what got me in, what got me into, Oh, let me back up to that. I never told what got me into MMA. So uh, I go to Marine Corps you learn a stupid thing called McMap, which is called Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. Every uh-huh. Marine does it in boot camp. You have to get a tan belt. Um, there, is a, there is a belt structure system in the Marine Corps. No one else really knows about it unless you see, like, hey, his belt's green. That's weird. Uh, you know, his is black with a red tab. Like, what does that mean, you know? Um, but even those guys, even those guys with the black tab, with, with the black belt with the red tab, I'll murder him today because the, 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 the martial arts program isn't what it – what you think it is, but what you think it is in the moment is you're a hardcore killer. You think you can beat everybody up because you learned a basic arm bar. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's crazy. So that's what 
first few, because I've been fighting, like I told you, since second grade, I get bullied. To fifth grade, I started fighting. So I've been fighting, right? But then you're learning, you're teaching me technique, and I'm like, whoa, right? So then, uh, <clears throat> so then I get to our map platoon. I had a gunny named Gunny Jakes. He was the boss of, of, of us, right? And then we all had curfew, but he would let me miss curfew, and he would take me to go do some MMA training. And I say that with quotation marks because it wasn't really MMA training. It was just this hole-in-the-wall boxing gym, and we just kind of did a little bit of everything. And then I realized I like fighting. Well, I've always realized that, but I realized I like the, the art and the, the organized fighting. I really enjoyed that aspect of it um, because we were doing a training where, like, they would, they would cycle off of you where Moses and Bunkley, you go for one minute, and then Bunkley, you're off, and then AJ, you're on for a minute, and then you're off. And I mean, that grind. And for me, I'm, I've always been good at being able to dig deep and keep going and moving forward. Again, my, de- my, my defense is a, po- a pressure offense. Even when I'm tired and getting beat up, well, I got to throw something back so you leave me alone. You know, so I, that's how I got into it. And then what really got me into it, what, what got me out of fighting in the streets was the scar everybody sees on my right eyebrow. I got hit in the face with a beer bottle. You know what I mean? I, I, I'll save that story for another day, but I got hit in the face with a beer bottle. Probably at a place, I was at a place I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been. Got hit in the face with a beer bottle and it cut my eyelid completely in half. I could, completely cut it open. Well, how much, how thick is your eyelid? And I'm like, man, that means that piece of glass almost took my right eye out. And that's what made me like really back up and like, eh, I don't know if I really want um, Cool little addition to that story without getting to the long version of it is, is that my brother took me home and stitched me up on the couch. I'm talking about pain. There, there was some pain right there. Uh, but then, so that was what got me out of fighting in the streets. I was like, man, this might not be worth it anymore. You know, people are crazy. People are hitting each other, beer bottles and shooting each other up. Nah, I'm good. But then what got me into actually going to BTT was I remember I was watching an episode of Ultimate Fighter, and there was this one guy, I couldn't remember his name. He never made it. <clears throat> and man, did he look good. He looked good on the pads. He looked good on the, on the bags. He looked good training. Yeah, I mean, he, I was like, this guy's going to win it. This guy is going to win it. His first fight, that dude got tired and then got, and got beat. He, he just got beat. And I was just like, what? You know what? It's because this guy can do all that training, but he doesn't have that dog that I have inside of me. He doesn't have that grit. He doesn't have that never, never uh, one shot, one kill, ready to die, but never will. He doesn't have that. You know what I mean? And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start training. And so I went over there to the front desk. I met this guy named Rafa. <clears throat> A lot of BTT guys know who he is. I think he runs Matt Shark, if I'm not mistaken. But I met him and said, hey, I'm here to fight. I'm here to make it, you know, I'm here to be, I'm making it to the ultimate fighter. That's what I'm here to do. You know what I mean? Like, All right, good, great. Let's train, right? And so then I started, but that's what got me into it. it was really what got me out of the streets of fighting was taking a beer bottle in my face. And then what got me into like organized fighting, I had a taste of it while I was in the Marine Corps. But then I really got it when I saw this guy who looked really good with technique. But man, just sucked when it came to digging deep and having that grit and that fight, you know, that fire real deep down. And I'm like, I have all that. Let me go train and let me go get me. And then you find out that the McMap program was really not all that good because you get the BTT when all the killers were there, like Matt Jones and, and Gabe, when Gabe was fighting every day. And these dudes put their hands on you and you're like, wow, that was, I just got hit by a freaking bag of bricks or something. And so that's what got me into it. And that's what really, and, and so since, and then when you go through that grind in the beginning, it's like having that old school, you know, you can call it old school tack P. I call them the old salt dog Marines. They're like, well, 
back when we went through it, but they're salt dogs and they earned their stripes. You know, I'm glad I went through that part of the fate, you know, that part of our gym when it was going through it, because now I'm like, man, I just look back and I'm like, yeah, I'm fighting smarter, not harder, <laughs> you know, got to be efficient. Yeah. I hear you there. Funny that you mentioned all the people in the uh, McMap program, because it's, it's similar throughout the military. The army has program level one, level two, level three, level four. Uh, the Air Force has a combatives program, and it's just it's kind of funny uh, when you see people in the Army who are like, yeah, I'm a level two certified, and then you just roll them up. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, all right. Good. Uh, let me get you. I've, I've seen that happen a few times. Guys just think they're so hard, and it's, just, it's like, dude, you're a level two combatives instructor. Chill out. Yeah. But uh, another thing, another thing that you said was that uh, you mentioned Jones and I remember one of my first days at BTT, Kevin Edgerton invited me to the gym. I was actually going to go train at Rodrigo Pinero uh, when I moved to San Antonio, but I worked with Kevin Edgerton. It's my first day of work. He pulls me into the gym and I, I, I went there the first day, never looked back. But one of my first days of training, I'm doing a kick. I'm, I'm doing a stand up day or I'm, we're doing a Muay Thai day with uh, Matt Jones. Sergio's teaching but then we start sparring. And before then, <laughs> I had not done a lot of stand-up. I had maybe done maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 days total of stand-up in my entire life. So we start sparring. And then next thing you know, I'm sparring with Matt Jones. And he's freaking – he's a killer. Yeah. Matt's a killer. And, and then next thing you know, he starts, he starts throwing. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do right now. And he, he probably had, like, 40 pounds on me. So we start sparring. And then he hits me with a leg kick. And yep. I legit could not walk for, like, three <laughs> days. I legit couldn't walk. Like, he almost hospitalized me. <laughs> um, and I, I just – it was a good lesson learned. Like, I actually learned a lot that day because I was so new to stand-up that I just wouldn't even check kicks. I would just, like, eat them. Yeah. And, and, and Matt definitely put me in my place real quick and told me and taught me not to eat those kicks. And then there was people who were like, yeah, man, he shouldn't be sparring you that hard. And I agree with that. But uh, <laughs> he, he, did, he did teach me a valuable lesson that day. And Matt's freaking awesome. And I'm glad he beat the shit out of me. And another thing, Gabe. So in one of our fight camps, I believe it was our first fight camp. It was just me and you. Jesse wasn't on that card. And then Gabe is helping us out. So Gabe gets in the ring with us, and we're and I'm sparring Gabe. And Gabe's an experienced dude. Like you can you can tell he's been fighting a really long time. He's just really comfortable in his stand up. And next thing you know, I'm sparring Gabe. I put my head down, and he uppercuts me. He doesn't mm -hmm. even. He doesn't even. <laughs> he doesn't do it. <clears throat> He wasn't trying to be malicious. He was legit just throwing a normal uppercut, and it knocked like legit knocked me out. Uh, and that was that was the only time I was ever like put out in in the gym at BTT. And it wasn't it wasn't a bad one, but he hit me, and I would definitely hit the floor. But yeah, I, I a lot of lessons learned as a new fighter, and then it makes sense that Gabe and uh, Matt were a part of the a part of the fight team. And I, I wish I had something like that now, but yeah. That's just a couple of things that I remember from, from what you said. Yeah, no, uh, Matt Jones, man. So when I got there, like, he had just had a fight or something. 
Actually, I had been there for a little while, and he had had a fight. But I wasn't when I was going in 2010. I wasn't there for friends. I wasn't there like me and Edgar trained together. Believe it or not, but Jason and Joe Lee used to do Muay Thai with us back in the day, and Jason would be over there bench pressing 315 before we're about to do some training in, in, in Muay Thai. Oh my, and, dude! It, I'm telling you, it was just it was just crazy back then. But I wasn't there for friends. Like I wasn't really talking to anybody. I'd go there. I would train my 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 butt off and. Boom, I'm out. And I didn't want nothing to do with jiu-jitsu. I thought it was the dumbest thing, like, ever. I'm like, jiu-jitsu is stupid. That pajama wrestling, y'all are idiots, and I'll beat all y'all up, right? That was my mentality. And, I, and, and, and Salazar never made you do any, um, um, any jit, so I was always doing stand-up. And I remember it was my first, it was, it was my first week there, and it, and it is a guy, we, I call him Cumbia King, but Jerry, they call him 50%, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, and so Jerry's there. It's my first week. We had some kickboxer guy, really tall dude. Uh, we had a couple other guys. And it's my first week of sparring. Well, all I have are, are balls and, and grit, right? Like, that's all I have. Like, I'm, I'm not scared of anybody, you know. But, you know, I, I'm also not stupid. Like, I know these guys can fight, right? So I'm like, oh, dang, all right. Well, uh, let's not get tired. How about that? It's my first week here. Let's not get tired. So let's just jab the hell out of everybody. I pissed off everybody, man. Cumbia Kings, they're throwing wheel kicks at my head. And, and then, uh, and then I, I get with Matt Jones. And then, man, Matt Jones, he, he's not trying to hurt you or knock you out. He's just a big, heavy dude. And at the time, he was skinnier. He was even thinner back in 2010, but still had a lot of power, man. I remember, bang, and I'm like, oh, this is my first Friday. Because Fridays were like the day where you were like, those are the sparring days you, you don't look forward to, man. Because it was just, it, there were fights, right? And man, I had to get, I had to train with him. I had to train with Gabe a little bit. And I remember like, bang, they're hitting me. And I'm like, oh, that's heavy. Jab, 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 jab. But at the same time, I never thought about it. They were probably thinking my, my jab was heavy because I'm a heavy hitter too. So, but I, and, and I think about it now, I was like, they were probably getting pissed off because I'm landing my jab on them and I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to, and I'm, I'm only doing it to keep them off of me. But all the while they're getting landed with, with solid jabs. Like no wonder why they was getting escalated pretty quick. I'm landing these heavy jabs, and they're like, screw you, rookie. <laughs> and they're, they're hitting me. And then when you say uppercuts from Gabe, oh, Gabe will stand right there in the pocket with you. Put his hands up, and he'll be real smooth. He's catching all your punches, checking all your kicks. And next thing you know, pop, 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 pop. You're like, where the hell did that come from? He's just been sitting there doing nothing. You're going to put a, a four-piece combo on me? Like, what the hell? Those are, good, <laughs> those are the days. And so, like, I love sparring with those two guys. Because Matt Jones, I remember – Matt Jones taught me a lesson. He was like, Mo, like, what are you doing? And you know how Matt Jones talks. He talks like he's always mad, right? He just, yeah. he just sounds like he's mad, right? Well, once you realize that, then you, re you, don't, you can get over it. Because in the beginning when he would talk to me, I'm like, why is he talking to me? Like, are you mad at me for something? You know, because I'm going to like, you know, <laughs> that's how I am. You know what I mean? Don't be disrespectful, right? So I would always think about it. Then I learned him. And I was like, no, that's just how he talks. And it sounds like he's just mad. Even when he, he he'll say, man, Moses, you look good today. Like how I'm dressed. I'm making this up, right? You look good today. He goes, man. There you go, looking all good. You know, this is how, just, that's his demeanor. He can give you a compliment. And if you don't know Matt Jones, you might still take it as like, is he mad at me or something? You know? Yeah. But we, we were boxing. I don't know why. I was, I was not having a good day in terms of like performance wise. He just kept getting me and getting me and getting me. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, real like, aggressive. Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking right now? Like, man, you're hitting me everywhere. It's kind of getting on my nerves. You know, you know in fact, it was before. One of, one of our first two fights in Vegas. It was before one of those. And he was getting me mad because he kept landing late kicks. I'm like, dude, I fight here in a couple of weeks and you're landing these heavy late kicks on me. 
You know what I mean? It was the first fight because my black eye that I went with, I have a little shiner. If you watch the video uh, of my interview portion of the first fight, I had a little shiner. I was from Matt Jones. And I was kind of mad because I'm like, dude, you're going this hard on me. And I'm, I'm like a week out from my fight. Yeah. And, and then he's just like, dude, you know what you need to do? He's like, you hit hard, dude. You, and you got cardio. Put your foot right here in the center of the stage and don't you move it. And he told me like ugly. And I was like, you know what? And I was already mad. I was like, you know what? I will. <laughs> and so I went over there with Matt Jones, man, and I had no mouthpiece. And oh, that was the other thing. I didn't have a mouthpiece and hit me with an uppercut. And I told him I don't have a mouthpiece. So why would you hit me with an uppercut, right? So I was mad. At, that day was just a bad day for me. And, and, and Matt Jones just happened to be the guy beating up on me. So I, in my brain, I was like, you're probably going to stop if I just leave my foot there and start striking back. And so I said, okay, let's go. I put my foot there. And then finally, we had a competitive sparring session back and forth. So now when I get real tired, I'm, I'm on the offense. If you're not backing up, if you don't back up when I'm tired, uh, because I'm going to keep walking forward, I'm going to plant my foot right in the middle and say, okay, come beat me up then. Because I'm gonna, we're going to sit here and we're going to bang. That, that's what's going to happen. And Matt Jones taught me that. Like, just bite down your mouthpiece and shut the hell up kind of mentality. You know what I mean? But those are the guys, man. These are the guys that have been around for a long time that you want to pick their brain. You want them to beat up on you a little bit because you're only going to take – what you're going to take away from it is one of two things. One, I don't like this sport. Let me get out of it. Or two, damn, that was to know and you had to go get your stripes. You know, you, you, had, you had to earn your stripes. And I'm not talking about in jiu-jitsu. I'm just talking about you had to earn your stripes is letting these, these old heads, the guys with all the experience, beat up on you. So it was just, it was, it's just good, man. Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is my thing. And I'm actually excited about today because uh, I tested for my purple belt on Wednesday. Now, I think oh, I <laughs> Oh, when's the, promo- the promotion today at 3 o'clock? <laughs> it's today at noon, yeah. Oh, noon, noon, noon. Oh, man. And I- I'm excited to see all the new belts. Yeah, I should be a purple belt. I think I tested very well. I did. A, I missed a couple of things, and then, but nothing major, right? It's just. And, and, and Diego likes to play mind games when doing it. Uh, dang, so to, dang the purple belt bad boys, man! But think about it, dude. I, in uh, in the summer of this year, I'll be a six year blue belt. Six. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's way too long, man. And then there's this I've, one guy. Go ahead. I've seen a lot of people in the military with that situation because they tr- they train in so many different gyms and they they're at a gym for like a year or two and move and then they don't get belted and then yeah they're just screwed. Yeah, well that wasn't my case. My case is I got like I said back in the day you didn't have to do jujitsu. Salazar didn't care. Salazar was like, hey, whatever, right? Come here, learn how to fight, whatever. But what happened was is uh, when I came back, because I had stepped away for a little bit, I had hurt my back and I because I have a bad back, right? And then um. I had stepped away for a couple of years, a good three or four years, and then came back in 2015. Uh, and then and when I came back in 15, Diego had just got here. He might have been – it's a year or less when he was here at BTT San Antonio. And his rule was I had to be a blue belt to fight MMA. And I remember why I came back. I came back because I saw the stupid show, and the guy sucked. You know, he looked good on the mitts and really wasn't that good. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm different, right? So I was like, well, I got to do this stupid wrestling or this stupid jiu-jitsu. All right. So then I started doing jiu-jitsu, and then I got my purple belt within the first, uh, like, five months. I got my blue belt because I, I'm like, how do I get promoted? Because I just wanted my blue belt so I can fight MMA. I don't really care about jiu-jitsu. And uh, that, that was my mentality in the beginning. And he's like, compete and show up. So, all right. So, I mean, I was doing every tournament in Texas. I was traveling to Houston, to Dallas, to, to Waco. I would, tra- I would travel to all of them, and I would even have back-to-back weekends where I was competing 
just because like I'm gonna compete so much, you're gonna have no choice but to promote me. And also I was winning double gold at every single one of them. So then I got promoted to a blue belt. And then then I got okay, so I kept doing then I, then I fell in love with jujitsu. By this point I already lo- I really liked jujitsu competition and all the other good stuff about BJJ. But then you when I got into MMA, I kind of stopped going to the classes, right? I stopped uh, going to the, the jiu-jitsu classes, the gi classes. And so that's what took me away. The MMA took me away. And then what took me out of training altogether was I really started traveling a lot for work. So then I'm gone every like six weeks. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm on the road for 10 to 20 days. And when I get back, I'm preparing for the next one. So it's just nonstop go. And then finally, about a year and a half ago, what really took me out, because then even when I would come back, I would train two or three days here and there, right? But then what took me out for a solid year was when I was in Germany with, 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 with my job now. I had got hit by a car and it messed up both my knees uh, when I was crossing the street in Germany at the airport. Some idiot didn't know how to follow uh, road signs and hit me and messed up both my knees. So that took me out for a whole year. So, but six years I've been a blue belt and I'm so excited to finally be a purple belt. So, yeah, hopefully you get it. Hopefully Diego doesn't hit you with a troll and give you another stripe or something. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, you know what? If he did, I, it, it, I would laugh about it, you know, honestly. Because, you know, I've rolled with a couple people and they're like, dude, get out of here. You know, fuck, you know, you know, freaking blue belt. I'm like, hey, that's what that's what Diego has me as, as long as Diego thinks so. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, and plus my blue belt's super cool. They don't make them like that anymore. So I love my blue belt. Um, hey. And I rep that mug. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just so many people in the gym who, there's, there's a few, when we were talking about Matt Jones, I have a story about Matt. So we, me, uh, John and Kareem, we all went to go watch his fight in Houston. He was fighting uh, Ike Villanueva. I think he, we all think he won the fight. Uh, to me, it was seemed kind of rigged. Uh, and that dude's in the UFC and just got a knockout like last weekend. Uh, so yeah, Matt beat that dude. They said he lost, but it is what it is. And after the fight, um, I'm, we're hanging out with Matt, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> or uh, it's it's the next day. And we're driving back to San Antonio, and I, I walk up to Matt, and I'm just like, hey, uh, does your does your face hurt? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, Mark, that is the dumbest fucking question. <laughs> he's like, do you see my face? Because he, he's got, like, black eyes, like, his lips busted, like, he's cut, like. He's like, what do you fucking think? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Matt Jones. And then he has that yeah. little smirk, right? Yeah, that yeah. Smirk, like, that, is the dumbest, that is the dumbest question. <laughs> yeah. But you, but but I, you... I love Matt. He's freaking, he's like, he's super strong mentally. Uh, yeah. Killer. Which brings me to another person, Anthony Ivey. Yeah. So, uh, Ant, one day I was, uh, <clears throat> It was it was before uh, this was probably like a year, a year two like two years ago now, two and a half. Like Ant had just over, ten, transitioned over from Battle Tactics, um, but he had been at BTT for a while. And I'm sparring, I'm sparring one day, and I'm just I just don't have the intensity. <clears throat> and Ant yelled at me. He's like, "You need to fucking pick it." He's like, "He's like, you need to pick your game up." Uh, and he's just he's so intense, but. He was, and he like yelled at me and I, I but he was a hundred percent right. Like I was being a huge, I was being kind of soft that day and he definitely kept me in check, which, which I really like, I really like about Ant. And then another person, 
So I was sparring in the again. It was another sparring day. We're in the cage, and I'm sparring Avery. Me and Avery are doing some stand up rounds, and Avery is r- destroying me like straight up, <laughs> like showing no mercy. He's throwing like head kicks. He's like chopping at my leg, and he is not going easy like at all. After the round, Avery's like, "Dude, you need to defend yourself." He's like, "You have, <laughs> you have zero defense." That's uh, funny. So I, I, it's just it's a couple of those moments where people have like flipped the switch on me and told me I need to get more intense, which they're a hundred percent right. That's funny, dude. Uh, yeah. So Ant Ant is a he's a he's a it's a gangster. I always use the word gangster, right? As a it's because I whatever, but I mean in a, in a positive way. That dude is a gangster when it comes to discipline and showing up to the gym. You want to talk about dedication and stuff like that oh my god like, i don't i don't know you have to be doing this full time and the guy has another job and he's sitting here doing four to five hours a day in the gym that the biggest thing i could say about him uh, there's a lot of things you could say good about him but the biggest and best thing i don't care what anyone says i'll, I'll change my mind right i'll do the the whole debate session with you the biggest and best thing that he has going for himself is that the amount of time he puts in the gym, dude, that doesn't stop. I don't know how his body doesn't break down. I don't know. Maybe he didn't play, play sports or maybe, you know, cause I came in with already with some injuries, right. From the Marine Corps and from playing sports in high school. You know, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you what that dude shows up. And if he does have an injury, you don't even know about it. The guy just shows up yeah. and he freaking trains his, and he trains and he trains his ass off, dude. And then I, yeah. I, mean, I, I can, I can, Talk about all the stuff I always tell him. Like, man, him and his brother seem like they're floating on on on, on air because of their footwork, how smooth it is, in conjunction with their with their hand speed and where they're like they're setting you up. They're like really doing boxing chess matches, where I'm showing you this because in three punches from now I'm gonna land this too. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's super super smooth, man. And that's what I that's what I like about him. I get to train with them. I train with them about once a week. Because the way my schedule set up right now is uh, I'm trying to incorporate why I don't have a fight right now. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I stay with the strength training because I realize, man, so for my body, this is just for me and people can de- I'll debate with anybody. For my body, I have this thing called hypermobility uh, issues where my elbows and knees and, and actually every all of my joints, my ligaments and tendons, it's like uh, they never really fully developed. And so for me, I never knew that. So when I started lifting weights, it, it, what it means is you can dislocate stuff really easy, right? Turn, it really turned off my, te- my tendons and ligaments and all that stuff. So when I, I realized, man, for a while there, I was getting hurt really quick. Every little thing I was getting hurt. And I'm talking about hurt for like, I'm out for like a week, week and a half. And every little thing. And it was getting annoying. I was like, man, what the hell? Then I thought about it. It's like, man, you know what? It, it's the strength training. I have to continue lifting weights. Well, I don't have a schedule with me having a family and all that stuff and the, the, job, the job that I have. I don't have the luxury of, you know, going and do a weight in the morning, a weight training session in the morning and then doing my sparring and, and, and all the fight game in the afternoon. I, I can't do that. So, so I got to use some of my days, some of my evenings for weight training to help avoid injury. Just, I mean, that's just, that's just what it is, what it is. But, man, I get to train with them. And when I do, I love it, especially when I get to go with Ant because – He's quick. He's super fast, right? And I have to deal with that. You know, I don't like it because, I mean, you you can't blink. <laughs> you blink, you're gonna get touched four or five times. You know what I mean? And which is really cool. 
Because if, as long as I can defend myself, here's my mentality going into it. If I can defend myself with him punching, punching, because we do a lot of this phone booth training where each one of us have to have a foot in a tire and you do that for a whole minute. And for, well, actually do it for three minutes. And for the first three minutes, you're only doing defense where the other guy's punching you. And then the, the, the next round, the next three minutes, now I can counter, right? And so I get to do that. Man, he'll end up throwing like 120 to 150 punches in that one minute. You know what I mean? And that's good. That's good training. For, at least for me, I think it's good. Other people may not like it, but I like it because it helps me know that when I'm moving, bang, I get hit. I'm like, okay, I got to be, be careful with that. And I'm studying and I'm training my brain to be able to say, I have to adjust in the middle of a fight, in the middle of a dog fight. Can I still think and adjust? And I take that back all the way back to the Marine Corps days and underwater. Can I get this done? Can I adjust? Can I, what do I got to do? Find a right, find an excuse to win, right? And when I mean by win, I'm not saying I'm going to say win where I don't get put to sleep. You know what I'm saying? So it's really good training with those dudes, man. It's cool to have, cool to have them. Hopefully, you know, their name brings more people to the gym and we have more diverse, more diversity in terms of the, the, the stand up and MMA game. Uh, we have a pretty good fight team now. It's bigger than what it was when it was just us, me, you, and, uh, AJ and Johnny. <laughs> oh yeah. When when I uh first started training stand up at BTT, like that was that was it. We'd show yeah. up and be me and you. Yeah. Uh, some days it would literally just be me and you. Yep, it would be. I remember those days, man. And it's rough because how do you get a good look? I mean, I, I and I'm not saying you ever play basketball with one person or any sport with one person, like y'all are really good against each other. You know what I mean? But then when you play against somebody else, like, man, how are you so good? But you lost to him. That guy sucks. Well, it's because me and you were used to each other's style. And, and, and I know what you're going to do. You know what I'm going to do, which is why you're able to counter it. And then, well, you're never going to get a good look. But when you go with Ant, then you go with his brother, D. That's two different fighters right there. Then you go with Johnny. Johnny's a different fighter. John, John's game has changed recently. Then you go with AJ. AJ's trying to do this uh, – karate wonder boy thompson style right now and it's working for him at least i think it is but it's just a different look and then you go with uh, roger roger this uh man this dude is super fast super super fast. i'm sorry it's all in one day actually you get that all in within 30 minutes of the sparring i get to fight all these guys shoot you're making me a killer is what you're doing because when i yeah. go when i have to go fight these big old fat dudes who can't move like me you better be ready because i'm used to these little fast dudes putting their gloves in my face <laughs> yeah uh and and that's i've fell in love with stand-up from a person outside looking in it's just a couple people punching each other in the face but it is <laughs> it is a chess match it is an ongoing chess match and i have definitely fell in love with doing stand-up yeah i i'll never i i'm at the i'm at my end right i'm at, I'm at the end of actually being a competitor and i'm gonna just be more of a practitioner However, this guy reached out to me yesterday and was like, hey, do you want to do Worlds again? Uh, I never did Worlds, but I, I was going to make the team. And then I had to pull out because it was during – in fact, I never pulled out. I just couldn't commit to it in the beginning because it was during one of my events when I'm on the road. But this year, he says, we're doing it again. More than likely, we're doing it again. And Worlds is a five-day MMA tournament, and it's uh, in, I think, Abu Dhabi. Uh, but it used to be in Bahrain, but he said it's in Abu Dhabi this year. And so I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I'm in. I'll, I'll, I'm in. I can pay for myself. I, but the problem is they have with fighting fighters is uh, finding the good fighters is they're also all broke. So when you got to go pay for yourself to go to Abu Dhabi and, 
and all this stuff. And they only have a little bit of sponsorship money for a whole team. They're only paying for a little bit. I'm like, well, I don't have that issue. I already have a passport. I already have money. I'm good. Um, and so the cool thing is it's like, it's like 20 something different countries that, that compete as a five day MMA tournament, dude, I cannot wait. So if it happens, that's probably going to be my, my farewell in MMA. Uh, and then I'll just be a practitioner just because I love to grind, you know? Yeah. When, when is that? That's in December. Okay. Oh, that'd yeah, be dope. It's, it's oh, usually man. the second, the second week of December or yeah, the second week of December, I think. Oh, that, yeah, that would be really cool. And I'm I'm here in Europe right now, so maybe I can even hop in on that. Dude, man, it's awesome. So I did a – I fought at their Nationals tournament, and that's when I fought the two days back-to-back. It was supposed to be three, but one guy got hurt and one guy didn't make weight. So the amount of guys that were there, I only got to fight two days. And fighting the tournament, I, I couldn't imagine these dudes doing a tournament the same day. You know, back in the old school days, I mean, that, that must have been rough because doing it one day after another was rough. And then I went and took a couple of ice baths. I think I took four ice baths. And that sucks in itself. Then you're going back over there. You walk. You Every step you take your shirt. And then you man, I got to fight this guy now? Ugh. But to me, it's, it's, it's cool, though, because it's that you got to dig deep. And for me, I love putting myself in situations where I got to dig deep. And, if, and if, if this whole podcast interview, you can see – it's about choices and digging deep. You know, it comes from the hood, it comes from drugs, and boom, boom, boom. And I just keep making the right choice. Well, what I think is the right choice. And so far, it's, it's done me a service, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what do you do in the Air Force Winter Warrior Program right now? Oh, man. So my title is operations officer. I, I mean, I used to do the employment thing where I would help people transition out with their resumes. But then our boss, Marsha, was like, yeah, but he's young and he's motivated. I need him helping out with sports, with, with the shipping and packing all of our Connex containers to go to wherever we're going. So they would always pull me over. And then finally, they were like, you know what? We're going to take you out of employment cell. We're going to put you with the adaptive sports. And then with adaptive sports, I kind of I did everything, man. I do a lot of logistics. We have a logistics guy here um, who does all the shipping of our containers. He hasn't done it yet because of COVID. But I'm, I'm the one who's kind of leading that stuff. I, I was, like I said, because we, we didn't have a true logistician here. So now my job now is I'm the operations officer. So I'm setting suspense dates for all of our events. We're doing all virtual events right now. And, you know, if I, we got to ship stuff over, like I had to ship stuff. I'm also the chief logistics officer for Invictus Games. So you have like the top five positions in the, for Team USA. I'm one of those five. And I'm the one that's, I'm in charge of all communications, all travel, man, what else? Equipment, training. You know, I have a lot of stuff on my plate, but I get so, to. In a, and you're ahead. the chief, you, you said you're the chief what? Of the Logist- Invictus teams? Chief logistics officer. Oh. Yeah, for Team USA, man. So, and Invictus Games is basically like, you ever heard of Warrior Games? No, no, I've definitely heard of the Invictus Games. We oh, have, okay. yeah, some of the tactics I've seen on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you probably know, like, uh, I don't know if Del Toro ever made it to Invictus, but, you know, some of those guys. No, yeah, that, yeah he did. That's what I, I mean, DT was one of my uh, tag team prep instructors back in the day, and I saw him on the Invictus games. Like, he has a thing on YouTube. You can type in, like, Del Toro Invictus games, and he has, like, an entire speech, <laughs> uh, and it's awesome, like, completely awesome. If If you haven't watched it, it's, like, 10 minutes long, but. I used to show all my students when I was an instructor, I was like, you guys are going to watch this video. 
Yeah, that, that was it during during opening ceremony, and I think it was the one that was in excuse me here in America here in Florida, right? Uh, I, I don't know where it was, but it, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was in Florida. Yeah, but it was on. Uh, it was on TV too, like yeah, ESPN like, or something. Yeah, yeah, because they did it at the ESPN at Disney. They have like an ESPN thing there, and so that. So at, at that point, I wasn't. I wasn't in, in, included with Invictus Games. I was just doing all all of the Air Force specific stuff. Um, but as people move out and people find jobs, you know. There, we have a gap, like Moses, fill it. And I'm like, why is that? And so I'm figuring things out. And so I, I run all, all of our medical. So I make sure we have medical volunteers. I make sure we have medical, all of our medical gear. We have volunteer shirts. I also do all the volunteers. I do the trans, the transportation plan, which means I'm over here saying, how many people do I have? I got 150 people. Okay. How many, how many people does a, a 44 packs bus hold? Well, 44 people, obviously, right? Okay. So how many buses, what kind of timing schedule. I'm all about logistics and planning for big, big, basically million-dollar events almost. You know what I mean? So that's what I do. And, and the coolest thing about it is I get to talk to these warriors, man. Uh, in the beginning, I, my first year here, I almost left because people are telling me about, you know, oh, woe is me, you know, my, my instruct, my supervisor, because y'all have things called supervisors. We don't have supervisors in the Marine Corps. But they're like, oh, my supervisor's mean to me. And then I'm like, shut the hell up, man. Like, <laughs> you know, and then you hear these sad stories. And I'm like, that's not sad. Like, man, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Like, wait, you tried to do what because of what? Like, you would, I was judging everybody. And I was like, man, I can't do this. Especially because, you know, I got people like, like uh, um, Del Rio, who has a double amputee and like a 30% disability and like a 40% disability in each one of his arms. You're telling me that you're over here worried about this and that. I'm like, I was comparing too much to the Marine Corps. The good thing that I learned about that is like, like PTSD. Man, I was so ignorant on PTSD that I, that's what was killing me. When people are like, well, I heard bombs and, and uh, well, because I think it's weak and soft that, that you're, you have PTSD from hearing bombs doesn't mean PTSD isn't real. And I had to learn. So what I did again, another life choice, right? I had to go and educate myself on PTSD. Either I can be a hater standing on the outside, looking in and thinking, ha, weak, you're, you're PTSD because you're watching drone, drone attacks, weak, you know, I can say that all day or I can educate myself and I educated myself. And while I still have some issue with PTSD, at least I understand it, you know what I mean? And I, and I get it, okay, just because you wanna have the same experience doesn't mean we're gonna have the same result, you know what I mean? So I get to learn all that stuff and I got to meet, I made some friends and work and, do most of all, I get to travel, man. They sent me to Australia, Holland. Uh, I'm in the Netherlands, Hawaii, Germany, man. They sent me everywhere. So what you do for the Air Force Wounded Warriors, that sounds like it'd be an awesome and rewarding job. It is. And that's kind of what I was saying. I think when, um, here a second ago was being able to meet the people, all different backgrounds from all over the United States. In fact, all over, you know, cause you can join the military from almost anywhere, you know, as long as you, you know, because I meet Puerto Ricans, you know, I met a lot of cool freaking Puerto Ricans, dude, uh, that were in the Air Force or all, you know, security forces or whatever. But I get to meet all these people and I get to see a transition. The cool thing is, is while I'm not into my feelings, I'm not into all that stuff, and while this program has made me more, my, it's like I, they've opened my eyes and understanding. You're more understanding. Yeah, I'm just understanding. I get to see it. So 
when I see a guy or a girl, it doesn't matter which, it doesn't matter which one, they come in, they, they're coming to our event, they're kind of like balled up into this, uh, this ball of anxiety and you can see them, they're looking down, they didn't want to make eye contact with nobody, they're scared. And then by Wednesday, these, guys, these people come out of their freaking shells and, and they're like, oh, wait a second, I can do this, I can enjoy life, wait, the Air Force is good, the Air Force is going to take care of us, because remember, I'm not Wounded Warrior Project, which is a nonprofit, which does really good things, whatever, whatever. We're programmed. We're, we're the government. I, I do represent the Air Force. And so, and our program is the Air Force, right? So these people that had all these hard feelings and negative feelings about the Air Force and, and even about their injuries, because when you say wounded warrior, you automatically think someone gets shot or blown up or, or something, right? Well, wounded warrior doesn't mean that. Wounded warrior means seriously wounded, ill, or injured. So if you had a, a, a cancer you know, if it's, if it's classified as serious, you can join our program. If you had a motorcycle accident, which happens in all the military, people losing legs, uh, crashing their motorcycles, that's a serious injury. You can join the program. So you have people who feel less than, I mean, look at me in my, in my Marine Corps walk. Like, I felt less than, I didn't know this until after I joined this program because, again, I have the understanding, they, they opened my eyes and, and, and these stupid feelings, but... I was in the Marine Corps and I didn't get to get deployed with my brothers where I felt some type of way about that. Well, these guys feel the exact same thing. It may not be because they got deployed, their friends got deployed and they didn't. It could be for anything. But then you learn, you're like, oh man, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, look at them. They, they now have some faith or some trust in the Air Force because we're there showing them. And, and these big old events that we do, we show them like their entitlements and benefits, but we have a whole team back at home that like if I go talk to Bunkley and Bunkley's like, hey, um, you know, this is what's happening to you, this is what's happening to you, and, and, and I can't get this and I can't get that. Well, what I can easily do is like, hey, where, where are you at? Oh, you're, you're okay. You're Southeast region. Let me get your RCC to call you. I'll get the RCC to call, call them. And they're like, hey, Moses told me you were having XYZ issues. Tell me about that. And we have a team that's going to fight for entitlements and benefits. We have a team that's going to help you. If you say, hey, I want to stay in the military, we have a team that's going to help you and guide you through your process of uh, appealing and going through the whole, the whole legal battle of trying to stay in the military. And that's what we do. Or if you want to get out, well, okay, that same team is going to sit there and say, okay, you're getting out. Understand, you're entitled to all this and we're going to get it for you. We're going to make sure you're qualified and it's all in the wording. And, and the Air Force is the best at that, man. While I say the Marine Corps is the best at, at you know, being war dogs and, and, and fighting wars, Man, the Air Force is the best at getting the best ratings, taking advantage of all their opportunities, I mean, all their entitlements and benefits. The Air Force do their second to none when it comes to that. And you've, you've met a lot of my, you've met a lot of my friends. <laughs> yeah, some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've met, you've met Chief Mater. I saw you guys like, I, uh, you guys like posted a picture together a while ago, Chief Mater. You've met August O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you've met a few of my boys. Yeah, O'Neill knows who I am. DT knows who I am. Mater obviously knows who I am. Colonel Flatten. I don't know. I think you know Colonel Flatten. Colonel Flatten's a good friend of mine as well. In fact, he was just texting me a couple of days ago about uh, about my fight, asking some details about it. I said none, none yet. But uh, here's there's Mahoney. You know Mahoney, right? A Maroney. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know it's a handful where we all talk to each other because we all, you know, same community. So we all kind of, hey, what's up, what's up? And then, uh, when they, of course, I make fun of them. Oh, yeah, oh, it's the Air Force. So, yeah, yeah, you bring up the rear. You get in the back of the. 
you get in the back and bring yeah. up the rear. So, yeah, with with Maroney, I've I've heard the name. I know who he is. I just I've never met him. But yeah, you definitely encounter a lot of guys that I know in in your work too. And it's just it's just a small world. I, I know when we were fighting, there there's a lot of people that I worked with. They're like, oh, you train you train with Moses? I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. Like, we you can come punch you can come punches in the face too if you want to. <laughs> and they and they never do. Yeah. And but, that's why uh, I tell people that, though. You know what? I tell people, like, fighting is not about, like, being this killer, like, the way I would, like, the way I think of myself. And I'll just say it like that. Because when you think of a fighter and someone's going to get in the cage, you think of this guy who's just savage and, uh, But realistically, yeah, you look has at, no emotion. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, yeah. But then it, you it's, look, a, it's, a, it's a big misconception that people have that fighters are dangerous, <laughs> they're bad people. Uh, they just want to, you want to hurt someone. You're trying to get out your frustrations. It's like, oh man, like for me, <laughs> I just like to compete. Yeah. And the majority of the fighters are not like that. You have the handful. There's always that 10%. You know what I mean? Like that Rick Perry or not that Rick Perry, the Perry guy. I don't know. So you guys an idiot. The guy acting crazy, but there's mental health issues in there as well. Right. But I'm not gonna get into all that. But what I, what I do know is that like, look at guys like you, super nice, super easy going. I don't know exactly all your background, but Looks like you were brought up in, you know, middle class. You, you know, it's just perfect, perfect example of you can fight without being this guy that I'm going to walk down the street and I'm going to murder everybody here. You know, same thing with um, Uriah Faber. Look at that dude, you know, Dominic Cruz. You know, those dudes, all those dudes are super easygoing dudes who just love to compete. And the way you know you feel like fighting is you got to go try it because anyone can be good and like tr- fighting. Even if you're not good at it, you can love the grind and go train you know yeah yeah is that your kids in the back yeah they're downstairs the kids are waking up getting ready to go to church how how's it like being a being a family man now you have two kids you 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 just had your you guys had your second kid right yes well he's turned three now (laughs) and oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah time flies man Uh, it's cool because Moses is a little crazy athlete, man. The dude started walking at nine months, started running at 12 months and was doing all kinds of crazy things really, really, really early. And, and it shows. So he, he was put it like this. We in soccer at school, he's over there making, you know, 12 to 15 goals, uh, points. And you're like, wait, that's too much. So let's put him in, in club soccer, goes to club soccer and tears it up over there too. And he's not making that many goals. Uh, but in terms of his athletic ability, He's over there. He's probably faster than the majority of the 10-year-olds, and he just turned seven. Just a crazy good athlete, and he's ridiculously smart. Jackson, but he's also – here's a different thing. He's like me, right? Crazy, crazy good athlete. He's super smart, which is a little bit different than my, than my experience, right? But he's so caring. It's crazy. He cares about people. He's compassionate. But then you have Jackson, who he's not as early, but you can tell he's still going to be very athletic. He's going to be gifted athletically, and um, he is super smart as well. But he also, but his attitude and mentality is more like mine, where it's like, wait, what did you say? Did you just, just, I just want to confirm you called me a name. Okay. I'm gonna punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's cool, calm and collected, but that guy has a, like I said, Moses will fight and Moses is a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. Right. And he'll fight just by the pure competition of wanting to win or Jackson's going to want to fight because you disrespected him and he wants to hurt you now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Moses was – you got you had Moses in the gym. And I think that would be so awesome to get – have your kid uh, take him to the gym, 
see him fight, see him train, and have him actually like it and, and get better, that's going to be really rewarding and really cool to see. Man, you know, my biggest thing is to, is, to, is to raise him to protect himself from people like me when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Because, I, like I said, I slowly but surely realized, I didn't realize it until after high school or after middle school, was that I, I was kind of the bully, you know what I mean? So, and I was just joking, having a good time, but at the end of the day, the guy that I was making fun of, ripping his pants or whatever I was doing to him, they didn't think it was that funny, you know? So I don't want them to do it to my son, so I want to make sure, like, he knows, hey, don't do that to me. I'm going to tell you one more time, okay? I'm going to go tell the teacher, okay? I, already, I checked the boxes. I warned you. I told the teacher. The next box to check is I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's just the thing of growing older. You're constantly learning. We're constantly learning. And you said something about your work and traveling all over the country and meeting all these different people. And you travel the world as well for your job. And people around the world live completely different. Yeah, but it's just a matter of uh, getting yourself out of your environment, the what you're used to being surrounded with, and you can see how other people are living. And I mean, that's educate. You're educating yourself every time you're getting out and having new experiences. When you were younger, and you know your parents are in and out of jail, and you're in the streets, and you're you're angry, and you're not surrounded by a lot of good influences. Like that's that's going to influence you, and you're going to think that's how the world works. And then you get to the Marine Corps and, you know, that's a whole different beast. Everyone is basically insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you get out and you're around all these Air Force people and you think, like, oh man, these guys are so soft. But uh, <laughs> then you, then you actually interact with them and you get to see their side of stuff and you're like, okay, well, I, I can relate to that. I can respect that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's all lessons learned and all the stuff you can pass down to, to your kids. And that's awesome. Yeah, man. I, and that's why I'm thinking, you know, my story is actually really cool when you dig deeper. I, I mean, I gave you the, the, you know, the quick breeze through it, even though it hasn't been so quick. But going into the details of me fighting when I was young, going into details of things that were done to me, you know what I mean, that, that helped me, make, paid me to what I am today. You know what I mean? You'd be like, what? Like, you did what? You, you did like, what? I, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe the way I used to talk. You wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe the way I used to dress. I used to dress like I was black. I used to have Fat Albert, Fubu, Fat Albert shorts. <laughs> Dude, check it out. Check it out. Look, jean shorts with Fat Albert on it, with with like they're like Timberland boots, but they were Fubu boots and they were red. Oh no! <laughs> with a, with a Fubu Fat Albert shirt and a red hat backwards. You know, like like that's that's oh man you were oh man you were cool (laughs) you really (laughs) (laughs) but i tell you but i was raised with with nothing but black dudes you know what i mean so i know yeah and that's why i talk that and that's why i talk the way i talk i talk kind of like man you talk funny i I know i I hear you no (laughs) i man it's it's embarrassing to look back on that because when i was in middle school i got on a really big basketball phase and me and my brother we thought we thought we were black like you know i grew up in vegas and everyone who played basketball is black yeah. And, you know, me and my brother are like the only white kids on the team and we're wearing <laughs> jerseys. We got our hats backwards and you would never, you would never think it like, uh, but yeah, it, it was, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> it, I know, looking man. Back on it, it's hilarious. I even had designs in my head. I'd go to the East side, back to where I was, you know, where, where I was raised at. I would go back to the East side and, and there was this place called Turning Heads and they put designs in your head. And so they give you a ball head fade and put a design, you know, and that's just... 
that's how I was raised, you know what I mean? But I had, a, but again, life choices, you know, so it's embarrassing because you made life choices to make you grow and make you change, right? So for me, that's what I was doing. Like, I didn't realize I was doing it until I like 20 in hindsight. And when you look back at things, you're like, man, at this time I made this decision. And it's really cool, excuse me, that you ask these questions because I get to look back at it. And I know these pivot points in, in my lifetime, right? That made me turn and, and go a different direction. I, I'm fully aware of them because I've thought about it a million times because you got to think, I was told when I was a kid that I'm the next one to go to prison. I was told when I was a kid that I'm going to end up locked up or I'm going to end up in prison or be dead. I mean, I was going down a bad path. I mean, I told you I went to alternative school for hitting a teacher in the head with a stapler. I mean, come on. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was, I was about to be that kid, you know? And so, and just a, a coach happened to be there, pulled me out, turned me into more of a jock. And then, and then I'm walking home from work and I was like, I don't want this life. And then the Marine Corps, then of course, because the Marine Corps breaks you down and makes you a Marine. You're no longer a black, white, Asian dude. You're a Marine now. You can forget all that other stuff. Um, and so then, and then really that's what, to me, that's what made me who I am is, is the Marine Corps being able to look at everybody as a, hu as a human, right? You have the same blood, the same oxygen you got to suck in is what I need with the exact same person. Don't be disrespectful. We're good to go, <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, it's too easy. Yeah, you would you would think you would you would think it's too easy, and then and then I see a lot of people in the military. Like I, when I was an instructor, I deal with all these kids, um, and I've I've dealt with younger younger people in the military, and it just it's just people you know being young and dumb, and we were all there once, so I don't knock them for it, but I definitely see all the mistakes that they're making, and yeah, I just can only mentor and guide them and give them the best advice that I can. And, bro down with them and uh realize that i mean we were all there once and in the, and you're gonna have to live like, like you, you, the whole live and learn they're gonna have to live to learn and then at that point it's up to them it's hopefully no one ever taught me this it just happened it, it really was just just happened so when you live path b is going to be the one where you continue doing what you're doing you're blaming everybody else for what you did you're you're saying it's not your fault and and you can continue hating life and saying, hey, I'm going to continue to go on a downward spiral and be like, I hate to say low life because who knows what kind of situation they're in. But typically when you're younger, if you're going to go through something and you choose path B, and I'm just making that up, right, you're probably not going to amount to be very much. You know what I mean? So I, 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 my biggest thing is teaching my kids, since you asked about the family, man, is teaching them like, hey, decisions. It's all about decisions. When people say it's all oh, it's because of my circumstance, eh, you missed me with that. Because you, you, what, what, I just got lucky, you know? No, I made decisions to be better and to grow and to learn. So that's how I look at things, man. And, and, and that's why when I see these guys making mistakes, I'm like, hey, you might want to da 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 because let me tell you, I got a story. And I tell them a story about, because, man, man, my experience is so wide of really bad things, drug things, you know, gangster things, not thug because you carry, carry a bandana in your back pocket. But I'm talking about real gangster things like people doing different things and you're involved in that type of stuff all the way to the Marine Corps, then to bettering yourself, and then to corporate America, you know what I mean? And back into the, I mean, I've experienced so much that I, I, I try to tell these youngsters like, man, you better cool your, Cool down, man. Slow down and, and really think about what you're doing because you want to set yourself up for the future. And then, again, they're probably not going to listen. 
they're, hey, they're going to listen or they're not. Yeah. But, uh, oh, so what are some of your future goals now and aspirations? Well, short term, I want to be a GS-12. I think um, I'm doing a pretty good job of working up to that. Uh, short term goal also, I want to get these, I want to fight as much as I possibly can this year. Um, just because I think I'm about to hang it up just because body's just not keeping up the way it needs to be. I haven't lost a step yet. So as long as I'm healthy, I'm still fast. I'm still strong. My cardio is still good. So that's that, that, that loss of step is not there yet, but I know it's right around the corner. So, um, I just want to fight a couple more times. I don't really care about a belt or anything. I just want to fight. Um, it would be cool. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, but I don't have any goals to make it big in MMA, uh, continue doing jujitsu, uh, now that if I get my purple belt today, right, uh, I, I want a black belt, dude. I want a black belt and big time goals. I'm brainwashing my kids to be in the military. <laughs> that's a big, that's a long-term goal, right? I want them to join the military. I want, I want them, at least one of them to be recon, but at least I want both of them to be in the military at a bare minimum. Uh, and I want them to be successful and educated. Man, I don't know. And for me, I also want to start, I'm getting into real estate. So start making big bucks in real estate. We'll see how that goes. Oh, did Edgar link you up on that? Edgar is my guy for that. Yes. He actually built my house and built my in-laws house. Oh, nice. Yeah. So talking a lot to Edgar with that and he's guiding us through the way and just trying to, trying to put money in our pockets, man. And it's not to live a rich lifestyle. It's more just to have flexibility to do what we want, you know, to enjoy the luxuries of life. Yeah. I want to go to, if I want to go to ball rain and go fight for five days where then I have no, because that's why I tell everybody, rich is a mindset. Rich means I can go put gas and not look at my bank account. Rich means I can go and uh, buy clothes and do whatever without looking, at your, without looking at the bank account. Rich means you can go and travel. You know, I'm going to go do a quick trip to Mexico and not have to worry about what's in the bank account. And so that's why I was like, hey, I want to strive to continue being, living this rich lifestyle where I'm not worried about that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And I yeah. just want to be more, I just want to have a, stronger mentality and that rich mentality in that rich mindset so well you're you definitely have a hardcore mentality you got drive you're an awesome role model and leader to not only the people in btt but in your job in the air force and a lot of people look up to you uh and while you do all that you just make things fun and you you got a big personality so it's <laughs> it's awesome like I'm, I'm glad you're my friend and i'm glad that i was able to hang out and catch up with you today yeah, man, it's cool, man. If you ever come to Texas, you need a uh, you know place to stay. I got an extra room here. So. Oh, all right. You know, I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be back someday. They, by all means, you got a room here. You can come stay a little while here. I mean, if you're gonna move in, we have to talk about some stuff. But you can come for a week. Or, <laughs> you know, you you go. Yeah. You want to come for a week? And more than welcome. Do I like? Do I like put my stuff in a certain uh, shelf in the fridge? How does this work? <laughs> no name it's like it's like in the marine corps when they say when they're dealing with people's uh it's a horrible joke right but it, it goes two ways it's like no name fair game right so in the fridge if you put your stuff in there uh without a name on it i can go and eat it but like we didn't have your name so it's it's mine your name. and then and then same same thing when messing with other because in in california this is what they do dirty ass marines are sitting there trying to have sex with any little thing that walks and most of the time, they're dating another Marine where they look at the finger and they say, well, no name, fair game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't married, well, even if they are married, they don't care. But that's just a running joke that they have. No name, fair game. No name, fair game. Oh, man. <laughs>
Yeah, well, yeah. Moses, I hope you get your. I hope you get that purple today. I appreciate it, man. I, I'm gonna go back and listen to. All right, all right. It's good catching right, up, man. Moses. I'll see you soon enough. Yeah, man. Stay funky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good one, Moses. All right. Later. Yeah, yeah.